What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode 148 of the Bench Time Podcast with Todd and Brett Wiley of Wiley Scale Modeling. So, Wiley Scale Modeling. Buckle up because this week's episode is going to get weird. Uh, It is not, (laughs) it is not, this is a warning for anyone who didn't hear last week's episode or is not part of our patron group. It is not, um, this ain't your daddy's modeling podcast this week. Uh, this one is going to be, uh, this one's going to be about our history and goofy ass shit that happened to us when we were reenacting. Um, we are Civil War reenactors. <laughs> so, so I think we were able to reenact in during probably in the last 20 years, one of the most exciting times for Civil War history, which was the 150th anniversary. But with that, you know, with that brought a lot of just plain old, they're just fuck, you know, just whack jobs. We're going to have to be careful of what we say this, this episode, dad, because we're going to get carried (laughs) away quick. And we're going to have to replace people's names. Yeah. (laughs) So for these stories, bear with us um, on this week's episode. We're not going to, we're not going to get into the uh, anything. We're not going to tell you about the history of the war. No, not too or, much. Anyways. And we're not going to talk about like why we reenacted. I think you guys understand we're yeah. big history buffs. We, you know, we love history, um, whether it be railroads or it. old yeah. cities or wars, whatever yeah. it is, we love it. But uh, <laughs> we just want to talk about this weird deep dive that we took into reenacting. And when I say deep. We went deep with it, and uh, yeah. um, we, were, we were all we were from the low end to the high end. Of that. We've done it. All. We've seen everything. The whole three ring circus. We've seen it all. So uh, let's start off with kind of you know. I just wanted everyone to know this ain't going to be any modeling talk this time. This one's just going to be grab a beer and get ready to laugh with us because we got some stories to tell. So this has been an episode that has been requested now for quite some time by a handful of our listeners. So we figured, what the hell, let's give them what they want, and we're going to finally give them the reenacting episode. So let's get started. Where do you want to start right. out? Oh, my gosh. So well, let's, just, let's just talk about – all right, let's, talk, let's start out first with how you got into it, not – why? Right, I, but that's like, a funny story in its own. Yeah. Okay. So, I've always been a history freak. We all know that, right? So, read all kinds of stories. I, I knew a lot about the, all the different battles. I knew a lot about <clears throat> the different, um, so much about Gettysburg. I mean, we live so close. I've read tons and tons of books about it. And went to a... I went to an event one time somewhere down in Gettysburg, and they had some reenactors out there. And I was like, yeah, that looks like a lot of fun. I think I might actually enjoy doing that. You know, I was watching some good reenactors, you know. Um, they were they were pretty authentic. You know, when we say authentic, we don't mean, you know, they, 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 you know there's authentic being we're as gonna, real as possible. We're, we're going to take you through the whole the yeah. whole spectrum of authentic, authentic, right, right. authenticity today too. <laughs> to me, <laughs> these guys were authentic. At that okay? time, this was the realest it got. Well, no, no, no. These guys were good, right? Then I went and watched. These guys were good. Oh, okay, okay. So, and and <laughs> you know, they were they were on they were camping at the Pennsylvania State 
uh, monument at oh, okay. Old Gettysburg Battlefield. These guys were some campaigners. Federal. And, um, federal campaigners. Yep. And I watched them, and it looked like a lot of fun. And I went home, and I started looking at stuff online and thinking, ah, you know, I don't even know if it was online. It wasn't really because this is this is the early ages of the internet stuff. No, this is oh eight. This is like oh seven. Yeah, oh seven. Okay, yeah, I guess it was. So, anyhow, yeah, I guess it was. This is thirteen years ago. Well, anyways, I went uh, the next in the next couple weeks. There was a one. There was a oh sorry, a Gettysburg annual event on the fourth of July. Wasn't it the and I went back up to Gettysburg fortieth? Yeah. Yeah. Nah, I don't know when it was. A one forty six or fifty one forty fifth. Yeah. Something like that. And anyways, I went up there to check it out and uh you know, go check out the, the uh I think it might have been before reenactment. And uh went there and you know, that was fine. It, but we were I was in town too and I walked by and I, I had already decided that I was going to be a Confederate reenactor. Why? Because those guys, the, the the people I read about, the Confederate um, generals, and you know the main guys you read about in a in yeah. any depiction of the battle is who they talk about generals and colonels and things like that, and they were flamboyant and 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 had these broad personalities that, that just popped, and you're like, they oh, were that's more, great. You they were about, more eccentric. They, they were, they were eccentric, and <laughs> and then of course. And I was like, and that's that's cool because also I found out through some research and talking to a couple of people about about it prior to going up there was that that uh, including the your uniforms, uncle. including my uncle, yeah, and and um, who was a long, long time reenactor for decades before that, and but the uh, the reenactors uh, when you do a Confederate side, you have a more a more liberal way of choosing uniforms there's more available okay there's more you could change it up and for the most a, part it, most of the units for, not yeah. all, and this isn't true i mean someone's gonna nitpick everything we say this isn't every um company or unit was it was so liberal in the confederacy right. either it was just overall right Overall, even if you had a a little bit more unique of a of a southern impression yeah. Um, yeah. with it, like and so it was say, cheaper. Yeah, it was cheaper, but I, but it was a lower quality wool, even for today's right. standards, which actually ended up costing more than the cheap wool cost actually, more it was than more the, expensive. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't make sense. But anyways, <laughs> anyhow, so it was cheaper. They, you know, I was hearing that it was cheaper to, and I didn't know how deep I wanted to go into this, right? So I didn't want to sink a ton of money right off the bat into this. It's not cheap. This is not. This is a very expensive hobby. So I was like, okay, well, and I can get away with, you know, buying this and buying that and then get myself started. And, and uh, so we'll look into it, but let's go talk to some reenacting units. Yeah. And I walked around and I talked to some people at the, at the, at the Gettysburg uh, annual the reenactment. reenactment. Right. There are thousands of people that go to watch it, you know, and, or they used to. And um, <laughs> they have, they have, um, and when I was done, I was walking through town. I, I talked to a couple units and. But I was walking by the uh, Civil War Wax Museum, it was at the time, and there was a group out there, and um, they were Mississippi soldiers, and we'll I, and we'll, that's all I'll say. It was a Mississippi unit, my Mississippi unit, and I wanted to know more about, you know, 
about what they were about. And they were real friendly, and they were more friendly than the people that were busy up at the other thing. They gave their time to talk to me. Okay, and um, they were doing a living history out on the lawn at the Wax Museum in town. So I was like, ah, you know what? These guys are pretty cool. The guy gave me information. They said they're looking for new members, blah, 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 blah. So I got home, started kicking it around. I talked to a couple of the other groups, and I talked. To, I called this um, uh, Captain Jackson. I called him back on the phone, and uh, <laughs> not his real name. We're, we're going to make and, up names this whole episode. Right. Captain Jackson. Well, Captain Jackson was uh, um, – uh, was real helpful for me, and and he got me uh, got me started, and uh, and I went to my first event, um, which was <laughs> well. First of all, I got myself a uniform. <laughs> he went out with me and showed me the uniform, and uh, and everything else. He showed me, you know, took me into town, all the different shops, and told me what you know what would be good to buy and what would you, not be he good got to you buy. Hooked up and kind of gave. I won't the- say. I would say Captain Jackson wasn't real knowledgeable on the uniforms. Now that, find now out we later. know, yeah. Now that we know, but I got myself a basic starter kit. It's just okay? like when you start model start railroading. Kit. You know, you always you have you have you go to a show and there's a guy that tells you you got to get all this stuff, and then you don't need that yeah. stuff later. But anyways, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I got this. I got the basic kit, um, and I borrowed a rifle and went to my first event a couple weeks later, or maybe a month later or so. Uh, and it was in Tipton, Pennsylvania, where there was no ever, never a battle to be fought. You know why? Because it was at a an amusement park called Del Grosso. Del Grosso amusement where park. they make spaghetti sauce. They, yes, yes. And, <laughs> and it was in the amusement park. We were right next to the amusement park in this little open field area where they had a volleyball court. We will call this the cat litter box battlefield. And uh, that was the, that's what it became known as the cat litter box, uh, the litter box reenactment uh, through the years. And um, they went there and they set up and it was an all, all big show for the spectators that came to the amusement park. It's my first time ever at an event. They had a tent for me. I got to borrow a tent and they had it all set up and I got in there and it was really nice. And, and, um, and I had my own cot. It was an aluminum cot, but it was an old aluminum cot from camping years and years ago that I had had. And they said I could bring a cot and put a cot in there, okay? Because soldiers all carried cots on their backs when they went into battle, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and a big giant fifty pound canvas tent. So with with uh, six foot poles. Anyhow. Um, I went and I sat down. That was sarcasm, my by the way. Yes, that was sarcasm. And um, so, anyways, I got my got my cot in there. I got all set up. They taught me how to roll my own rifle rounds, which was actually really cool. And then they took me out and they showed me in the morning how to, you know, fire a couple rounds from my rifle. And then I went out there and I, I did my first battle. Uh, in the, over one side of the Union side, guys was maybe. 30 or 40 of them. They were on one side of this sand volleyball court. And the Confederate guys were on the other side of the sand volleyball court. And uh, we got into a volley and we fired back and forth. They fired and we fired. It was my first time firing. The first time that ever happens, you know, that adrenaline pumps because you got like every – they, this unit was real good on firing. So when you fired, everybody when you, they, when he said ready, aim, fire, you fired on fuh, 
from fire, and everybody fired at the same time, and yeah. it sounded like it's very precise. it was perfect. Yeah, very precise, and it was loud. You're not yeah. expecting you know 30 rifles going off at one time for your first event, and so, uh, it was cool. So you, so you fought in a volleyball court. Yeah, and then when you go out and you fight and you get closer and guys started, you know, breaking apart and, and yeah. some guys would, and then you go out and the, we march forward and we go into the sand and then I was supposed to take a hit, right? So I take a hit and I land in the sand and it smells like catch it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the spectators were happy, right? So then we did this a couple times during the day. They had like one at, uh, one at nine, one at 11, one at uh, one and then after one at one we were supposed to do some more and it started pouring down rain at the park i mean really pouring down rain yeah torrential rain it was a pisser so they canceled the rest of the fire uh, firing demonstrations and we went back to our uh tents my first night in my first tent in the tent well actually the night before i got there i slept in it that night now i sitting on my cot at Two o'clock in the afternoon, all my clothes are soaking wet and it's wool, <laughs> and the temperature's dropping down to about forty because we're in the middle of a oh, probably fifty because we're in the middle of uh, of Pennsylvania up in the mountains, and <laughs> the um, and I've got the chills and I lay down on my cot and pull a blanket up over me and my cot material split <laughs> and I fell down through my cot and landed on the floor of my tent which also had a stream running under it because the tents don't have a floor uh, my cot was ruined i did, i was i was so mad is, i was throwing it outside of the tent and everything and this is what huh? got you hooked yeah well i didn't have a cot to sleep on i wasn't sleeping in a puddle so uh i uh i i don't know if i slept in the car that night or what the hell happened yeah. anyhow that was my first night and but and I did enjoy the battles, and I was hooked, and I was determined since I bought a uniform and I was going to do this, and I just spent you know, $25 for a pound of gunpowder, and um, I was all excited about this, and I, even though I borrowed somebody else's rifle, which was cool, yeah. um, and then eventually I got my own rifle uh, sometime later. But then one of the things that I did was I asked the, the company, um, the company commander, what the history of this unit was, and he did not know it. So I thought it would, which I thought was very strange. Yeah. So I thought I would go take it upon myself to do the research on the history of this unit. And I did. And it's fascinating, actually. Um, and we won't get into any of that. But um, that's one of the reasons why I really started digging, digging deep into this, because I wanted to make this as real as of an experience as you possible. You wanted to know as much about it as you could. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, so to the- go ahead. I'm done with that story. That's what got me started. That's how you and got I hooked. Doing all kinds of events. Yeah. Now I, I before you came in. I got roped into it because of my dad, obviously. So uh, my first event was with the same group, but uh, nothing really crazy happened. Uh, was that the day that was my first event? The one where I ran across the street at that museum and jumped in the pool in my underwear. <laughs> the wax museum. Yeah. Was that museum. the one? With a, the, I, I had you come up to try it out for that weekend. Yeah, yeah, it was so hot that weekend, but I everyone was miserable. So I um, borrowed a whole bunch of gear from a whole bunch of people, and everyone in that group gave me gear to wear. And I was getting yeah. hot. I was so hot. I'm like, dude, I can't sit here anymore. Little did I know that would be the next five summers of my life, but whatever. 
I ran across the street to the hotel pool across the street from this museum, and I ran across the street in my underwear and jumped in the pool in Middletown, Gettysburg. But uh, uh, I was hooked as well. I mean, it was fun, but uh, it was weird. Like, I can't explain why I was hooked other than I liked history and I wanted to learn more and I wanted a, I wanted some cool hats. But, you know... <laughs> Plus, like, after the events, we all go down to hey, the... You go have some beers. Yeah. And, uh, and eat. Yeah. Now, now let's get into... Um, let's get into some juicy stories now. So, right. my... My first... Man, there's so many. What do we want to start with? Let's well, just... Let's, let's start, start with, with some of the ones back... Let's call let's call it what it is. The farb days. Farb days. Now people don't know what a farb is. It means far be it from the truth. So <laughs> it a farb is okay. yeah. Far be it from the truth. It's it's like it's like if you were you know, the kind of people who would say like Ah oh, well, if they would have had a cooler they would have brought it with them, so I'm gonna bring yeah. my cooler. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm gonna cook on tinfoil tonight. And, and I mean, uh, I did this stuff too. Aluminum pan. I mean, huh? we all did it. And yeah. um, you remember? Do you remember that guy? Uh, we'll call him um, Mitchell. Do you remember Mitch when he was uh, he was making us pancakes? I, th- I forget what event it was. Might have been Gettysburg. One of the Gettysburgs we went to. And he's leaning over that skillet. Sweating like a storm. Oh yeah, 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 and yeah. And he was yeah. just flipping those pancakes, covered in his dripping sweat in the pancakes. And I'm like, when Mitch was done cooking them, he brought them up to Tim. Was like, "Hey guys, pancakes are done." And I'm like, "Yeah, you know, I think I'm just not going to eat breakfast this morning because I can't. I just watched you sweating those pancakes, man. I can't do that. It was bad. Yeah, we we kind of just said it like it was when we were there too. But by the way, so. <laughs> Not very much yeah. different than how we are now, but uh, no, no, man. So, so yeah. I mean, you, you had the days where you're bringing a whole kitchen sink, and it takes. Yeah, these people drove up to the front of their tent, and I was one. We all did. They it. drove up to the front of your tent. You set the tent up to where the tents were. You set your tents up in these perfect rows. You unload and, the entire and... camping kit. The entire. It's like you're going on a oh family camping trip. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. And they, you know, some people had like, like antique rugs that they would put down on the floor of their tent right. and they'd have like a, a writing desk with a, a lamp and everything and, a, and, a, and, a, and a, a, a bed that's called a rope bed. It was about the size of a twin and it, it, had, like a, it had like a straw stuffed and mattress. Now keep, in, and, keep in mind guys back then on campaign would not yeah. have any of this stuff. Yeah, and these guys, the, the, these guys setting this up, they were maybe a, a sergeant. You know, yeah, you, a sergeant that had. Oh, that. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Let's about let's talk about people who would just buy their uniforms, and then yeah. they walk around. They would buy their rank, and then walk around like you owed them something. Oh well, we'll get to that. All right, all right. But yeah, you're right. You're right. They would do that. But anyways, these people we're talking about the stuff they brought. So they load all the stuff out of their car, and then they go park their car far away and walk back. Right. But they, but they loaded up everything. I mean, everything in there, um, gas heaters and all kinds of crap. You know, coolers. And they hide the cooler under a blanket in the back somewhere. Some of them did. Some of them didn't care. They That's just what leave was it. the worst part. Was yeah, a, there was probably half the people at the event didn't even give a shit, and oh. they'd leave coolers and wrappers and Twinkie bags of Twinkies laying around. And oh, like, it was awful. 
And, and when I was a sergeant, they vote you in. It was like, oh, my God. It was they had elections. It was the most corny bunch of crap you'd ever <laughs> see. And I would walk around, and my job was to make sure the camp was cleaned up. So when the spectators came into the camp, especially at big events like, you know, Gettysburg and Cedar Creek and New Market. Yeah. And, yeah, Antietam, those types of places. You go to them. You, you know, I'd walk up and down the street. You get a lot of people the, that come and the, visit. The tents, yeah, and, the, and I would have to wait before these people came in to visit. I would go inspect to make sure everybody has anything that's not period correct hidden, right? So your cooler had to be like hidden under a blanket or underneath your underneath your cot if you had one or if you're laying on the ground, you know, hidden uh, uh, hidden under a, a crate like a uh, uh, ammo crate or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, there's different ways to do it. And then, of course, you know, anything that might be sticking out like a sleeping bag, roll that thing up, put it in a stuff sack and stick it in the corner or take it out of the car or something. Don't want to see it. Want to see real blankets, that type of thing. Right. So and I would do it. But you know, every now and then you somebody would have like a, a, a whole mess of Tupperware containers sitting out and they'd have like brownies in them, you know, and they would be eating brownies. And they're like, oh, man. And it's usually the women. There's a couple of women that had, like, they came with their husbands, and they would, they would, uh, they would eat these brownies. And it would, they would make these brownies and have them in Tupperware containers. And they would stack them up. They were sitting right in front of the doorway. So when spectators came by, I told them to put it away. They wouldn't want to put it away. So I had to go in and throw them underneath their cots. And uh, it's just awful. Um, yeah. Anyhow. But that's, that's the kind of people we were dealing with. And uh, they, they didn't think like that. You know, yeah. But um, anyhow, go let's, ahead. Let's actually let's talk about some of the some things. Events. What's that? Some events. Yeah, let's actually talk about some of the funny events that actually happened, rather than the people. Cool. So, all right, I'll start. I'll start one off. You weren't on this trip, but this was a doozy of a trip, the Georgia one. Oh, okay. Go ahead, but that one wasn't a Farb one. That no, was no, no, no. Campinger. This well, no, this was like. All right, let me let me back up one, and then I'll tell the Georgia one. Okay, All go right. ahead. So the moment that I switch, let's talk about the switch. People yeah, understand the Farbs. They, they it was a terrible life that we lived when we were Farbs, and no one wants to yeah. talk about that ever again. Yeah, I did that but, for many years, but yeah. My favorite weekend that this was what made us switch over to the campaigner side. Yeah. One of our buddies, we'll call him Brian. <laughs> Brian um, Plopper. Yeah. Brian Plopper. He um yeah. <laughs> he he wanted to start doing more campaigner style events or hardcore events where you literally live out of a blanket roll or a um, knapsack or uh, you know some kind of a pack. For and we were already kind of doing that. We were anyways. looking at doing that we, because we, we were did sick that of, away from our. We were sick. Yeah. We were sick of that style of event. We had not done a campaigner event yet though. So but we were doing campaigning at our site with yes, our well, other group. This was and the, they did not like no, the but, fact that we did it the hardcore way. So this was the first time that me and Ryan did it though, before yeah. a lot of others did. And Ryan, remember yeah. Ryan and I just came in with oh, I just messed up his name, Brian. Oh no. Anyways, Brian and I came in with uh blankets and all of our food was rolled up in blankets and um and I just laid my stuff down by the fire, and uh, Jackson, Captain Jackson, came up to us and said, uh, "Is that where you guys are going to sleep tonight?" And Brian, I was, all, I was sleeping out under a lean-to. Yeah, and Brian and yeah. I were like, "Well, yeah, why? Like, this is where we're going to sleep. We got all our food." And he was, and the captain guy was like, "Well, you're not going to contribute food to the rest of us." And 
me and Brian were like, group meeting, me yeah. and Brian were like, no, we got our own food and we're not, we're not going to associate, we're not eating any of your food and you don't need to eat any of our food. We got, it's all here. And he got mad because we weren't contributing to his tent row to make his tent row look bigger. His row of tents right. in the company. Right. Anyways, yes, because so, it looks better when for yeah, him politically. We got we in got the hobby. we got a little lippy, and it happened. And and uh, and uh, I remember later that day, he asked us where I was like walking away to do. I'm gonna go to the bathroom. Like, do you want to come and uh, like do you need a, do you need to know where I'm going? I'm going to the bathroom. And by the way, bathrooms at a reenactment a are party. a row of like fifty porta johns, and they smell like fifty <laughs> porta johns <laughs> for four thousand people. But anyways, all in the heat. But anyways, yeah. we had a little heated discussion, and uh, my and the captain asked me why I was going to the bathroom, and I said, "Dude, I don't know. Do you want to come hold it for me while I go? Like, come on." <laughs> and then later, he's like, "Hey, well, you better come down. You better be back because we got elections coming up." And this was to keep mm-hmm. him voted in as a captain or or something higher up within the organization. It doesn't even matter, and. Uh, Brian and I, my buddy Brian and I, we uh to be the colonel. It was to be the colonel. The colonel, whatever. We yeah. skipped out and we went to Denny's instead. So that was the end of my <laughs> far brain hack. After that I never went back to that unit ever again. And then oh, you we guys walked, came to me. I, I, yeah. after that was over, that next day we came and walked up with you and said, We're done. We're gonna go venture off into this hardcore style of reenacting. Right. But that was the end of that. They never really I, I went with you. Yeah. Yeah. But no. Georgia. I want to talk about Georgia. Do it. So Georgia was our first splinter event where my buddies and I went down. Um, the same guy, Brian, and my best friend, and my wife and I all drove down 13 hours to Chickamauga, Georgia. This is going to be our first like independent event of any groups. Um, 13-hour drive, downpoured the entire drive downpoured when we got there and it's like georgia clay style mud so it was like uh, dad no joke it was a foot deep of clay mud just suck your shoes off kind of mud uh-huh. and we hadn't slept all day we roll in we get changed there's a reenactment there's a battle that afternoon i'm slipping and sliding around in mud we're soaking wet cold our buddy um you know uh, evan he rhymes with evan evan mm-hmm. was there uh, the guy, you know, what I'm talking about. Yep. And uh, him and his son and his buddy were there, and we ended up doing a lot of stuff with them later. But um, we we're sleeping in. Long story short, we're sleeping in a tent that second night, uh, still soaking wet, still downpouring on us the entire time. And my buddy forgot to close his tent flaps, and he's like, "Hey, bro, this is the Brian guy." We're like, Brian, dude, close the tent flaps. It's pouring on you. You're going to freeze. He's like, no, I'm fine. I don't want to get out of my sleeping bag. I mean, I don't want to get out of my blanket. It's, uh, it's, um, I don't, it's, I'm too cold already. So it pours on the whole night, stops raining. And then the cold air sets in. He's sitting there freezing. And he's like, guys, I think I'm really, I'm going to actually go to the car now. I'm too wet and cold. And as soon as he gets out to go to the car, we hear a probably four dozen coyotes yipping and hollering around our tents in between the tents. And he uh, turns around and he's like, "Yeah, f that. I'm gonna. I, I ain't getting eaten." <laughs> and, and then he tie. And then he finally ties the tent flap shut. And then he wouldn't go to sleep the rest of the night. He just laid there, keep it, kept poking his head out the tents, going, "I think I saw. I think I saw coyotes, guys. I think I saw them." And uh, and then that was like our first 
sign that forever we're, we were going to be haunted by coyotes on all these reenactments. Yes. But it was a crazy time, man. We were like knee deep in clay <laughs> mud the whole time. Dude, I had mud on my stuff for like a, like three years that, from that event. <laughs> but oh, That's funny. That's yeah, funny. and then, you know, it, the more fun part was the road trip. But that was like our first foray into campaigning. And well, that's we, we same failed, weekend. We failed miserably because we were – it was our first one. We were soaking wet, man. It was like 30 degrees. It was pouring on us the whole time. It was bad. Well, that same weekend that you went down there, I was at the Middletown train raid. Oh, yeah. Was it? Yeah. And we went. <laughs> <laughs> this was great. This is great. This was with the this was with uh, Farby Mississippi group. And um, so we were with the we were at the Middletown train raid. Now, Middletown, Pennsylvania is along the Susquehanna River. It's where the Three Mile Island nuclear reactor is. There's never been anything Civil War related there. There is an actual steam engine train. You train people will love this crap. But it they is. Short um, runs there. What's that? There's, they do little train rides and like dinner. Right. Dinner they do train rides. On, right. Right. On, it had a couple coaches and, and the whole thing. And you kind of get on the passenger cars and the people pay for a ticket. And then we were camped there at the park next to the train. To the train next to the train station. Did you do that uh, when you were a kid? Was that a thing when you were a kid? No. Oh, okay. I guess it was when I was. Grandma took me you, out when I was a kid. Yeah, right. But they had more reenactors probably than when we did it. So, anyhow, so I, our group, all the Confederates that we have, we have a total of probably 15 people. The Union side, the idea was the people got on the train and they paid for a ticket and they got on the train. We were already staged ahead. We, they took us down earlier on a train ride and dropped us off, okay? And the, the train would go back, pick up the people, and do the train ride, right? Actually, no, that's not true. We rode on the train with the people. Yes. The Confederates and the, and the Union, okay? One was in one car. Union was in the other car. And we rode down with them, and they dropped. They stopped where the battle was supposed to be along the train ride, it's a pretty train ride, you know, and um, it is a nice. It is a nice like by yeah, itself. It's a nice train ride, sir. Sure. And um, but they do this Civil War days thing. They call it, and they drop us off, and we get out, and we go over into the field, and the train keeps going, and then it turns around wherever it goes, and it comes back. Okay, now keep in mind, it was supposed to be a steam engine train, but that day the steam engine wasn't operating correctly, so they had a diesel engine on the front of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay so so it's already corny before we even take off um we go out into this field we got 15 people they got 15 people and a cannon right i don't even think we had 15 people i think we had like maybe eight eight or nine it wasn't many one many soldiers they had twice the numbers we did and a cannon and we were to uh fight them and when the train stopped the train stopped to watch the battle. And then the Confederates, which we were, attacked the Union, had a couple volleys back and forth, and then the Union guys were dying, and we took the cannon over with eight guys. We took a cannon over and twice as many <laughs> men. And, uh, we and we took the cannon miracle. over. Right. And then we went over to the train and held the train up and boarded the train and started harassing the people on the train you know, you know, it was a train kids, rate. Well, I will say, I did this when I was a kid. Um, yeah. When you're a kid and that happens, it is awesome. 
Yeah. When you're like eight. Maybe it was awesome then. <laughs> when you're eight. <laughs> yeah. So they got back and they're like, oh, well, we got back from the thing. It was a, it was a, the corniest damn thing I think I've ever done. And uh, we got back to the camp. And Corny that's when I bridges? passed. It was right there. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah. So we got back to camp, and uh, and then we were all. I just kind of casually made my way away from camp, and we went home. <laughs> oh, and um, that That's... was it. I just stayed for the second day's train ride. I, I told him I had plans for the second day. I wasn't going to be there for that anymore. What's... That pretty much was one of my wrap ups. I remember you called. Agri- you called me that Saturday, and you're like, "Dude, I had to leave that early. Like, I couldn't." <laughs> <laughs> you're like, how's Georgia? I wish I was there with you guys because I volunteer for this stupid train raid. And you're in Georgia having fun. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, so that was that. Uh, that was that event. What other event we got? It was pretty funny. Well, I brought it up. So What's that? I said I just brought it up. So let's talk about Twin Bridges. Twin Bridges. Oh my God. Twin Bridges was a campground in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, not far from Gettysburg. It was an annual event in the spring that they did to kick off far the Farby season. And uh, we would go and we did Twin Bridges. And it was at a campground. They would get all the people in the town of Chambersburg would come. And the Chambersburg mayor would be there and the fire department and a bunch of other stuff. And we'd do this battle in, this was wo- even, in the woods. Was it even a real campground? Yeah. There was a campground on the other okay. side. Oh, okay. We did this battle in the woods where there was a sawmill. Actually, that was really cool. It's yeah. kind of like the saw. It's kind of like the sawmills you see where we build for our our uh, model railroading. Yeah, but we but, were on like the maintenance side of the campground, like not the cool yeah, side. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. So we were we were there, and there's a big uh, you know sawmill with a you know like a, a pavilion type sawmill. It was really cool, and we did a battle in the woods. It was hand, you know. Um. It was. Uh, it was a shit show. Yeah, it was. It was. It was definitely that. And the, the spectators would be watching and and everything. And you do this battle was a free for all. What they called a tactical, meaning new. Neither side had a plan. You just go into the woods and just start firing at each other. And if you feel like you were gonna die, you you were supposed to die. You would die. And some people did. Some people didn't. A lot of people didn't. And um, and then you just keep firing away at each other. And you see who can outmaneuver the other one for whatever whatever that possibly might mean um in the woods and there was this little house up near like a little little hut thing that they had it was um up there in at the top of the hill and uh, all the people were looking down into the woods all the spectators and they had some a good deal of spectators there and there were a bunch of ladies there and some of my guys were up there along fighting around that building and the union came through and they were fighting and um, uh, shooting at us, of course, like we do. And everybody's running around. They're chasing some guys hiding behind the building. He comes around, and I'm just standing there watching <laughs> my guys fight. This guy comes around with his pistol. He was a dismounted cab, and we're going to get into that in a moment. And uh, he gets, and he doesn't have his horse. Um, and he's out there running around, and he's shooting the ground right next to my guy's feet when he's running up to him. And about, you know, it's a black powder pistol and it shoots at the ground. It's going to, if it hits your foot, it's going to put a hole through your shoe and burn your toe or shoot your toe off. It doesn't have a right. It does. There's no projectile, but it's got 
power. It's got power. Gunpowder. Yeah. Right? I mean, listen. There's already been. If you look it up on yeah. the news, there are stories of people having accidents right. at like exactly. six feet and severely burning yeah. people. Right. And he's shooting at my guy's feet, and I'm losing my mind now. Right. And so the battle rages on, and this guy disappeared in the woods. I tried to chase after him and everything, but he disappeared in the woods with all his buddies. And then the battle raged on, and then um, we had, um, at the end of the battle, um, I went down to the, oh, that was, <laughs> that's when we had Mr., uh, um, we had a guy in our unit at that battle. Oh, my God. Who was new to us. And his name was um, Timmy. Uh, Mar- Timmy. Um, Just call him Timmy. We'll call him Timmy Johnson. And Timmy Johnson had had been overseas, and he claimed that he was not PTSD. Uh, I asked him. I said, Are "You PTSD?" He's telling us all about you know his time in the military and everything else. Well, the battle started raging, and Timmy starts losing his mind, screaming. Screaming which, and pacing which, back and forth and running his hands through his hair. Which and, okay, but but lights a cigarette I mean, in the middle of the battle. But in yeah. reality, that's that part's not like if you had PTSD, that's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not I the get story. That. You know, it's not. Fun, right, that's still that's not a funny thing. But it's but not he, funny. But, but he, it happened. Yeah, you know, it, it happened in our story. But we didn't know right? this ahead of time, right? Because I asked him already. He goes, "No, no, no. I don't have that. I don't have PTSD." I said, "Okay." So after this well, happened, we didn't know anything about the guy. We, well, didn't tell us, battle, I, we didn't know anything about his history until after no, that, after that. No, no. So, anyways, we'll get back to him. He's screaming okay, at everyone. Yeah, he's screaming at everybody out in the on the battlefield. He's screaming at people, some of the spectators with There's their kids. kids. Yeah, he's screaming at their kids. And, and uh, anyways, so I'm trying to settle that down, and then I see Mister the Sergeant, the the cavalry sergeant that was off his horse chasing my guys around, shooting at their feet. After the battle ended, down at the bottom of the hill, talking to his generals, and I went down and I told the general, I said, "You need to get control of this guy." I said, "He about shot all my guys' feet off up here with his pistol," and um, and I said, "If you don't get I, the guy was standing right there," I said, "If you don't get control of him," I said, "He's going to end up hurting somebody." I said, "That's ridiculous." I, I mean, he could have hurt, he could have took somebody's toe off, and. Uh, and then the guy goes, well, if your guys weren't hiding around my, all the skirts up there, uh, I was like, oh, my gosh. I said, you need to get out of my face. And we had like a standoff, and uh, he, he got up in my face like he was going to hit me. And I told him it would be a really bad day, and he needs to back off. And uh, he's, well, he, he, anyway, and regardless. Then, and then he was yelling at us because he was, we were shooting around his horses. Yes, and yeah. he said, and we're like, well, why would you bring? So most of the horses are trained. Horses a lot work. of these guys, a lot of these guys train their horses to be used to those sounds. So in during reenactments, they don't freak yeah. out and hurt people. Right. And ninety nine point nine percent of the horses and the handlers that own the horses are awesome. They're trained, and they're yeah. great, but they're great with their horses. And they treat right. their horses well, like and and the horses mm-hmm. are nice. You go up to them afterwards, you can pet them. Like they're nice. They're nice. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this they guy's don't get like, food, gunpowder. yeah, and this guy's screaming at us because we were shooting around his horses, and we're like, "Why?" You said you're like, "Why would you bring horses to a reenactment that weren't yeah. trained to be yeah. around this?" Like, what do you? Yeah, he was freaking out about his horses, and the whole thing yeah, was don't a take your, cluster. Don't take him into a tactical. If you're gonna have him stand him in the background or whatever, do your cavalry thing, but then don't don't, don't take him into the woods in the middle of a tactical. Anyways, so we're leaving and we're going back to camp. Oh we go God. back this to is, camp dude, after this, this is the greatest moment. I saw, Timmy, him, I saw Timmy him doing is, this, though. Well, Timmy is sitting. No, no, I saw him doing this. 
So doing what? What you're gonna tell them? Oh no! Oh. Are you talking about the handgun or the, or the? All of it. Okay, so, so we get back to camp. I'll let you tell about what happened. So I'm you, I'm back clean gun. I'm back at camp, and um, <laughs> we're all cleaning our after the this is where all right. Forty minutes into this show is where it's gonna get really real. From here on out, it's just gonna get absolutely batshit crazy. You ready? Yeah. yeah. <sighs> all right, Timmy is sitting there, and he looks over at me, and he goes. Hey, um, I I think I dropped a round down on my rifle, <laughs> and all of and I, I I didn't even think at first. I'm like, oh, what like like black powder? Like all we have is blanks. I didn't know, you know. Like I think when you say that, I'm thinking you just it's a paper wad. I thought maybe you dropped yeah. a paper wad down there. And my buddy, yeah. my best friend, um, we'll call him right. Mike. He was uh, he was like, oh, yeah. He's like, oh, you mean like a paper wad? He's like, it's okay. I got a tool we can take that out with. And he goes, no, no, like a like a lead ball, and I'm like, um, excuse me, what? Like you got a lead ball stuck in your rifle? Why do you have lead a mini ball? ball? It's a mini ball. Yeah, I was like, why do you have yeah. mi- why do you have mini balls? Why do you have a real round? And he's like, well, I have them in my have I have them in my cartridge pouch. And I'm like, dude, we just <laughs> ba- got back from like a reenact like a battle or a tactical we're firing blanks. Can't have that out there. Why were you why did you have lead rounds in your rolled in a round? Yeah. In your thing. And he's like, "Well, I I don't know. I got it mixed up and I dropped one down in there." And I'm like, "Oh my god. Like put that right put it down. Put your rifle down right now." And he puts it down. Well, he brought it to me. He brought it to me. Yeah, and I came over to you. I'm like, oh, "No, no. I remember. I didn't say put it down. I said, "Take it over to my dad. Take it over to Todd." And he told you, and you're hey. like, and you were like, what? Yeah. What? With some expletives in there. I was sitting there at my table. He walks up to my table. I was sitting out there in front of my tent. I had like a little table with a chair. And uh, I was sitting there talking to one of the generals or a colonel or somebody. And uh, he's sitting there next to me. And a guy comes up and he hands me his, Timmy hands me his rifle. And he goes, he goes, uh, hey, Todd. They, um, they told me to come over here. I put a I got a problem. I put a I got a problem. My, uh, I said, what's the problem? He goes, well, I got a round stuck down in my. I said, "What do you mean, got a round? I dropped a mini ball down in there in my barrel, and I can't get it out." And I was like, "What? What did you do?" I'm like, "Oh my god, are you serious? You have a mini? Why do you have that here? You know?" And I'm and I'm. I took his rifle and I'm looking at it and I'm, I, I turned it upside down, and I I took a ramrod out and I ran it down. It plunked in the bottom. I think the I think the mini ball slid out when I turned when I tilted it out. And I looked for it the next day. I couldn't seem to find it. It wasn't in there. And I'm like, oh, my God, don't you ever bring anything like that ever to – he goes, well, I like to live fire it sometimes. I was like, we don't, we don't even want to hear that. Don't that. tell me that. Yeah. I don't want to hear that. We don't want to hear that. Nobody oh, teaches me that. And then, wants to know that you do that on your own time. And then We don't want to know that you live fire your rifle. And then later that but, evening, he has his pistol. Yeah. like a hand, Not a pistol like a black powder revolver. Right. He had pulled right. a pistol out. Yeah, and he lays it on his blanket, and he just starts cleaning his pistol, like a handgun, like a nine millimeter. Yeah. He's laying, I'm like, dude, Matt, I'm, I mean, uh, Timmy, <laughs> <laughs> let me write that one down. I was like, Timmy, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm cleaning my uh, my handgun. I'm like, you you need to get out of here, man. I'm like, what are you doing? This is you need to leave. And I think yeah. he left that night. Yeah, well, no, he left in the morning. But here's what happened. Oh, yeah, I told yeah. him, I said, hey, look, I'm gonna. Uh, 
I, I, I had to tomorrow morning. We're gonna take your rifle, and we're gonna we're gonna put we're gonna put was, powder in it. And it was gonna, pi- there was a gonna, pile of logs out behind that mill. You were right, gonna go and we're fire gonna it. shoot this off. We're gonna clear it, and we're gonna clear your rifle. Make. I said I don't think there's anything in it. I dropped your. I dropped the. Uh, it was getting dark, you know. Yeah. And I said I dropped the uh, ramrod down, and it plunked to the. It plunked down to the to the uh, bar- bar- bottom of the barrel, and uh, I knew it was. Uh, I knew it was hitting the bottom, so I, I I knew it wasn't there. But I needed to make sure that he knows he can't do that. So the next morning we ate breakfast, and I'm walking down the road towards camp, and he's coming up the road in his car, and this is before I could check his rifle. He goes, "I gotta go. I got called into work." Blah blah blah. And he's off. He took off. He didn't want me. He didn't want me to check his rifle or nah, whatever. It was bad. So whatever. And that was about the end of him. That we was never really saw him. Like- yeah, it was the end of him, um, and that was it on that one. I mean, it was uh, that was one of the fun ones. The tw- Twin Bridges was uh, was a joke. It was so definitely a joke. Let's let's talk about. Um, I'll let you do the next one then too. Let's talk about the hand cannon. Oh, <laughs> my buddy, my best friend. He's a crazy dude. He bought this thing called a signal cannon. It's it's Perry Cret. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's a signal cannon, right? It was used by it was used on top of it's mountains like, and stuff. They it's like the side. It's a, it's a mug, yeah. and you would load yeah. basically like, you know, I don't even know how many grains, a bunch of grains of mm-hmm. powder into it, and uh, shoot shoot off a signal cannon, a signal right. cannon, right? Um, and it was loud as, dude. It was so oh, yeah. loud. It would rock the ground. Oh yeah, yeah. Because you put it was about a quarter pound of powder. So we used to go to so this event. imagine there were maybe a half pound of powder. It was it was it was like putting two M80s in a in a cannon. Dude, we would go to this event know? called Cedar Creek, and in the morning there was a 5 a.m. tactical. It was still pitch black outside, mm-hmm. and my buddy brought this signal cannon down to it, and normally you just fire. It looks cool because you're firing at night. There's you know the the sparks from the blank rounds are, are spraying out everywhere. It looks it's a cool thing. This to thing's do so night. cool. It puts a, it puts a mushroom cloud off in the daytime. Right, right, but we took it and out, it shoots like we twenty it, feet up. We took it out five in the morning when no one's expecting there to be any cannons or anything out there. And yeah. we're, me and him are hiding in this ditch, and we wait for a whole bunch of people on the other side to walk by in this morning tactical. Because we did a morning tactical. Yeah. yeah, and we waited for them to walk by, and we were safe distance away, but. We lit it off in this ditch when they were walking around the ditch. And I don't think I've ever seen people run that fast in my life. And forever since that, ever since then, we would light that thing off in like the most ridiculous times. Uh, we took it down to Georgia with us too. And we would light that signal yeah. cannon off. And everyone's like, yo, what is that? Like they got artillery up there. And we're running around with this little tiny mug shooting these. And it sounded like a cannon, man. It was loud. Oh, yeah. It like, um, it like shook the trees and stuff loud. That thing was so. This was what happened at that. Woke up. Oh yeah, you weren't even up. down there yet. No, we had the, <laughs> the, the every year they do this tactical at Cedar Creek, okay, and um, that year they had built a giant fort that year because it was 150th, okay. Oh so yeah. <laughs> they built this oh, giant fort up on the hill. The Union did, right? The Union did, and. It's super cool. It was really cool that they built this. It was all made out of logs and everything else. It was giant. And 
they had like 200 guys sleeping in there. Now, this is an event where you got a couple thousand on each side. It's probably 8,000 okay. total. Yeah. <clears throat> well, they had a couple hundred anyways inside this fort. And we were going to do this tactical. And that night, on Friday night beforehand, the general comes up into our camp. And he walks up and he goes, Don't touch our Todd. No, he goes, Todd, how many, how many guys you got? I said, for the tactical tomorrow. I said, I got about, I got about maybe 20. And he goes, oh, he goes, that's great. Oh my gosh, that's great. And I was like, okay. I said, how many does the, the other side have? Well, they got like two or 300. And I was like, oh, I said, well, he goes, he said, well, I'm glad you got 20. I said, well, how many do you got? The general I went, from the other camps and there were other different, you know, thousands of people there. I said, how many did you get the volunteer? Cause here you have to get up at like three or four in the morning to go out and do this. Right. Well, you got, no, they, okay. They get up at four. Four, okay. But my group, my well, nobody group, wanted to do that. But my group of hooligans got up at at three because we wanted right, to be right. there. Well, before we'll get to that. We'll right, get right. to that. <laughs> so, so he, I go, who? Oh, he said, I got a total of what do you say? I got a total of thirty-five. And I was like, oh, okay. So, what's that? I said, well, that gives us fifty-five guys or so. And he goes, no, no, I got a total of thirty-five. You're twenty, and my and fifteen from other camps. Combined, I was like, "Oh, he goes, yeah, we're we're very outnumbered." I was like, "Okay," I said, "Well, we're gonna do it anyways." So I woke up, it's four o'clock in the morning, got my guys, went around tent to tent, and I realized there's nobody in your. You, you guys didn't even have tents. I had a little bit and, of a. But we had like my, we had a group, right? The, yeah. the unit, and then there was like a little side gang of my buddies. Right, right, right. Well. Well, it was you and Ryan, you and Brian, and and and, and <laughs> right, Mike. But but but, right. but we were all gone. We were right, and we we I think we took like five or six with us, other people. Yeah. Okay. And and uh, so I got I woke up my brother and a couple other people, and we uh, went down to the road to meet the general like we were supposed to, and you we marched we up the road. There. The general's on a horse, right? Right, and he's on a horse, and he's walking. We're walking down the road with our rifles. Heading towards where the, Didn't he the ask fort you where, was, where half your men were though. Like where half? Like yeah, he goes. 20. Where are they? I said, well, I said they're out there somewhere. They already left and they're already out there. And he goes, oh no. He said, and then we heard this. We're walking down the road. We heard this boom. Okay, and we do, uh, and you can see this ye- yellow cloud down over the hill at five at four thirty in the morning. Yeah, and I'm like, before it's and supposed he goes, to start. And he goes, let me guess, Brett and Mike and. Brian, I said, yep. And he goes, and they have the hand cannon. I said, yep. And he just started laughing. Dude, we must have fired that thing off in in like in like five minutes. We must have fired that thing a dozen times. He's the he's the commander for the entire reenactment, actually. So we're so we walked down into you were doing your ambush down there, and I put my guys out. That was when we were hiding in in that ditch. Right, you're hiding in the ditch. So, (laughs) um, and we. Had our guys up on top of the hill. You guys were down the hill in the ditch, and I didn't know you guys where you guys were down there yet. I had all my guys. I had to figure out how to take the other twenty-five guys I got and spread them out, right? And you had to make them look because, bigger than they did, right? Because the union didn't know how many we had, and they come out of their fort in formations of companies, like all stacked, and they had all these formation stacked and they're marching out and i'm like oh my gosh i told my guys i said spread out about 10 feet apart or eight feet or eight ten feet apart or whatever and make a big long line 
and said, and we're just going to start firing. And they came out and they were lined up. They had a couple hundred guys in formation facing us across this big open field. The general didn't go out on the horse with his field on, on the horse with his horse on the field because there are stones and rocks out there. And it was, you know, the five o'clock in the morning, you had the mountain dew from the mountains there on everything. And the grass is kind of wet and he didn't want the horse slipping and, and, uh, you know, breaking a it leg or an anything. ideal situation that. for the horse. Right. Right. So he's watching from the road way back there. And I, so I spread my guys all the way out and we started walking towards them and they started coming out towards us. Right. And I had my guys halt after maybe 20 yards we had maybe a 200, we had maybe two or three, maybe 200 yards between us, two football field legs. And I told him, I said, all right, everybody start heading downhill and stay in line and start heading downhill. So we went all the way down the hill to the bottom of the hill where you guys were already waiting, <laughs> doing whatever you guys were doing. And you guys joined in with us. And I did this so they could take their because it takes a long time to move a formation of that size that they had. So until they got everybody turned around and followed us down the hill, marched down the hill to get lined up across from us again, I waited until they got down there, and then I told everybody, sprint up to the top of the hill. I mean, it took them, it was like two, they went another two or 300 yards down the hill, and then we sprinted up to the very top of the hill and then went right to the fort because they were in front of the fort originally. So I knew it was going to take them time to get all the way down the hill, turn around with a couple hundred guys and move them back up the hill and get back up to fight us in time. So we started attacking the hill and you guys put that hand can. We were well, talking attacking the fort and you guys started putting the hand cannon out in front of the fort. They're firing out of the fort at us, the ones that were still in the fort. We snuck up to the underside of that wall. Yeah, yeah. And you guys stuck up to the wall with the hand cannon. They didn't even know it because they couldn't see because of you know, big walls. And you guys lit that hand cannon. And you could hear somebody in there go, holy shit, what was that? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and uh, that was the end of the battle. They kind of, you know, that kind of They didn't ended. like that we didn't play the game the right well, way. Well, by that time, the other side came all the way up the top of the hill. And the Union guys came up the top of the hill with their formation. And they were getting ready to fire at us. And we started walking away from them all lollygagging across the field back to, cause we're done, you know? And, um, they're like yelling at us. Ooh, you come fight, come fight. I'm like, ah, we're done, man. We, we, we outsmarted you, man. That was funny. And I got back and the general said that was the funniest thing he's, he's ever seen. But, uh, yeah, we had a good time. The hand cannon was a blast. Remember you guys setting that thing off at events. It, it like when nobody was expecting it, it camps. In right in the middle of the camp, <laughs> and everybody in there, especially at night, and everybody's sleeping. Oh my gosh, you guys did that so many events before like we, 150 Manassas. Before we move on to any other events, I want to talk about uh, the tactical one more time at Cedar Creek. There was one. Yeah. There was one time. It was I don't even remember which one it was. This is a good one though. Uh huh. We had drank pretty heavily the night before, like pretty, just that once. <laughs> just the one time. I mean, dude, I got a million stories on that one, but <laughs> we got, so they all wake me up and I'm like, dude, I, I went to sleep an hour ago. I mean, I'm still like, I'm not feeling very good. So they, again, we got up like an hour before everyone was supposed to for the tactical right. and I snuck out and me and my two buddies and the group, the other, the other group we used to hang with, um, you know, uh, right, right. The guys from the the guys from the Virginia group. 
Yeah, the '96 Virginia. We were, yeah, we were, we were yeah. their their whole posse too. We had a posse that was just like the us, but in the other group, kind of ragtag right. crew. And we're all laying there, and I'm up on the side of this hill. We're all spread. We got maybe maybe 15 of us, and we're spread out, probably 30 feet apart. We're all laying on the side of this hill where no one can see us, trying to hide. And I'm laying up on the hill. Me and Ev- we'll call him Evan. <laughs> and 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 um. His buddy, not his son, but his buddy, um, Patrick, we're all three laying there on the side of the hill, and Brian going, and and my buddy, my best friend, Mike, is over there like, dude, guys, you're giving us, like, you're giving us away, and me and all three of us were like, dude, you need to shut up, like, we're not doing too hot right over here, and... Dude, it was bad. It was like 20 degrees out. We're all frozen to death, gagging on the side of this hill. It was bad. And and the, later on, after the tactical was over, the guys were like, man, we can hear you guys. You weren't surprising us at all. Three, three or four of you were up on the hill. We could hear you dry heaving. <laughs> it was bad. Oh, bad oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, anyways, let's move on to – let's move on to the 150th Bentonville Coyote Ugly Story. Well, let's talk about Bentonville before when we first got well, there. Well, we did first. that already. We did that the other week. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. The guy that wanted to yeah. kick us. All right. Okay. We went to the 150th Bentonville, North Carolina. Really cool event. And um, it was one of the last events of the Civil War. Uh, one of the last 150th events of the Civil War. It was right. Yeah, we were know, nearing it, the end of the... We are getting close to the war. surrender. Right, right. And... Um, um, yeah, it was, it was getting close to when Appomattox took place. So, anyways, we're recreating that. That's another huge, monstrous event. That was probably um, one of the biggest, one of the biggest right. ones we were at. One of the guys in our group. Now we are hardcoring. Okay, now we're talking about when we were this. This a lot of this stuff we, here most is when the, we have left. Most of the we real going, fun stuff happened when we were hardcore. Now these people that we reenacted with at this point, a lot of these people are historians. Very some good of them too. Some of these are people are park rangers. Some of these people are um, CEOs of preservation societies, like right. some, some very yes. knowledgeable and very well yes. uh, educated historians. Correct. He's, everybody is and, with our group. And a lot of them had, and a lot of them had a lot of them had access to things that a lot of other reenactors could not right. get to. So we were very fortunate with that. And we were one. Of, we were involved with a group of these hardcore guys. We did both union. Reenactments and Confederate. We had both kits at this point. We were we had a bunch we were, of kits. Yes, we had a million kits actually, uh, but we did both sides. So it wasn't like you were just always Confederate or always un- Union. You did both. You did whatever was needed, and then we would pick a unit and say, okay, and we'd take a, a month or two and prepare to get all the stuff we need to to portray that unit correctly, and. You know, and um, everybody went out of their way to do that. We were so certain emblem was on our before uniforms. The year, and and before the year started, we kind of knew what was coming. So we had a few right. months to prepare. Right, right. Right, exactly. So you knew what events you were going to do. You knew what units you were going to represent. You got that stuff you had ready special, during, during the winter months. Special things for your kits. that you Right. Had. I mean, it was very much like model building. You had to prepare a right. kit beforehand. Right. So we did a lot of events like this with these people for a couple of years, and it was it was great. Anyways, this one here, Bentonville. We're out there, 
am one of the guys who's involved with a, uh, a with the national. No, at this point it was no. He was doing this for a national park service, and there was a section of ground that they had just recently purchased near Bentonville, and that particular piece of ground. He was there with some surveyors earlier earlier in the week before this huge huge event, um, and um, they were it was it was land that was bought from it was farmers. Just a farm, yeah. Right, and he was there surveying it and checking it out and, and looking up some of the history that they looked up on it to see if they could find certain things in the woods and things like that. He comes into our camp that first morning. We all met him, and you know he's hanging out and sleeping in our camp with us, and he wakes up. He goes, hey, how about tonight? I'll take you up, and I'll show you the, uh, I'll show you the, the grounds with this 97th – I won't use the unit name – the 97th Virginia – which he knows a lot, a ton of history on. He knew all the history of all units. Period. Um, he was a park ranger as well it's for like a long a time. <laughs> right. He was a park ranger uh, at many different parks. He was also a superintendent of a park, of a national park. And so this guy knew his, his stuff. entire livelihood has focused on Civil War history, and still is. Yeah. So um, anyhow, we did. He took us up to show us these actual um, the trench work. That was the Union trenches that, uh, sorry, I'm sorry, Confederate trenches on the side of this mountain original. up above the route. This is a couple miles away from where these were original earthworks. Okay. Um, hand dug the whole works and, and, and he took us up to show them. And so we drove up at night after eating dinner. We drove up in a group. We had about seven of us. And we were going to camp there. Well, no, at first we just drove up. And he showed us these in, entrenchments, and they had like timbers in the entrenchments on the side the of the hill. The reason they were so well preserved because yeah. it was sand soil, right? And yeah, the, the soil's half dirt, half sand. Nothing yeah. was like you know, it was low moisture content soil, right? So it right. it just was so well preserved. So, so there's original timbers in the breastworks. Yeah. So he's showing us the breastworks and everything. We're 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 standing there next to him, and he goes, "Hey guys." I said, this is the coolest thing ever. This is really cool. It's original. It was pristine, meaning it has not been touched. And it was, you know, woods that had not been touched. So he said, we're going to, let's go back to camp. Let's get all our stuff. I'm going to bring you up here and you guys can camp right here on top of the, right, right next to where the entrenchments are above it, you yep. know? He's like, I already and, got permission from right the farmer. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to, uh, we're, we're going to camp here for the night. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is great. <laughs> so we, we were back pumped. and got our blanket rolls and all our gear. We brought our rifles, and uh, we came back to camp. We drove up in the cars. We parked the cars outside the woods in this big cotton field next to this cotton field. The cotton had already been picked, and it's been flat. It's all flat. There's little remnants of cotton all over the place. And so we get out of the and cars, we and we go in, we set yards. the camp up. We were about 100 yeah. yards from the cars. Yeah, in the, in, in the woods, yeah. So – and it wasn't at this point, um, it was April. So there wasn't many leaves on the tree yet, you know? So, um, or was it March? It might've been late March. It was March, I think. Yeah. And, but, um, so we went into the woods and we, we were down there and we set up camp and we lit a fire and we got, he said, Hey guys, let's all get down in the trench and I'm going to tell you a story. Cause this guy <laughs> is an amazing storyteller. He gives bus. He he up to this up to recently he gave bus tours with some very famous historians that we know. 
um, that it was it, this guy a storyteller, amazing, the best ever. He's the guy you wanted at a campground, a campfire. So we get down in the trench, and he's telling us the story of this unit that was in these trenches that night, and he makes it so real. And he, you know, when you actually laid sit in that trench and you put your elbow back, it would sink into the sand a little bit, and he would tell you how they could feel the same thing, you know, and. It was it was so cool. And while we're sitting down in this trench in the dark, and the only thing going is a little campfire. His son we made. goes. His son goes. Did you guys hear that? Yeah, we're all sitting in a row, seven of us. And his son's his son's like twelve or thirteen, and he goes, he goes. Uh, no, nobody really heard anything. And then and then I then up at our I was up at the other end with another guy named um, David, and David, <laughs> big tall guy. And he, he goes, Todd, did you hear that crunch? I heard the crunch. I said, yeah. He said, something's moving over there. And then you're down the other end with, with uh, Brian and Mike. And you were like, hey, uh, we hear it down here. And you were like, way down, you know? And we're like, it's a couple fi- It's a couple of them. <laughs> yeah, it's a couple crunches, you know? <laughs> and then up over the high embankment over our heads, I could hear more crunching. And I'm like, what the hell is that? And then we all got up out of the thing. And we sat, he finished the story, and we got up out of the thing. We're standing around the campfire. Somebody lights a cigar. I think it was him. And we're all just sitting around talking, standing around talking. Settling in. Settling in. We're getting ready to go to bed soon. And um, we had our blankets all rolled out and everything. And uh, this guy, well, not this guy. We hear this sound of about a hundred screaming devil babies being tortured with a fork. That's what it sounded like. Okay. And I'm like, what the hell was that? And it was like off to the side over where our cars were parked up in the field. And I'm like, what the hell? And, and then I didn't know what that was. And Brett goes, that's a, what do they call that? A coyote? What? That's a coyote. Uh, like a, like a, I forget what I called it. Like a frenzy, some kind of frenzy call. Yeah. Yeah. Frenzy call. And, um, I was like, what? Oh, yeah, yeah. That means they're calling the other ones in for a kill. And I'm like, oh, wow, really? And so we didn't think much of about it at first, but then we heard another one down from us just a little bit. And it was closer, like in the woods closer. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, they're all over. And so we heard it a couple more times, and it was just, it was blood curling to hear that, right? Yeah. And, um, something's dying out there and I think they're circling in on us. We think they're circling in on us. So we, uh, we're standing around. We could hear them getting closer and closer on all sides of us. We didn't know how many there were or what they were doing. And so Kevin, um, what was it? Not Kevin, not him. Who was the other guy? Dan. Oh, Dave. Dave. We're not doing good with names. <laughs> no, we're not doing good with names. Anyways, um, hey, Evan, Evan, I guess <laughs> Evan. <laughs> he says, he says, guys, load your rifles. So we, don't have, we don't have real gun. We don't have real projectiles. We just have our gunpowder. So we're like dumping gunpowder down in. And um, the, the one guy, um, um, Brian, the, the only one shaked. in our, the only guy who's ever been an active military in our whole yeah, group is he's shaking. shaking so bad. He's shaking. I'm watching him load poor 
gunpowder into his muzzle. He's missing. And it's not even going into his muzzle. It's landing <laughs> on his chest. Cause he goes, it, it, he goes, it's rifle. He's shaking so bad. He goes, guys, I'd rather be deployed right now. I don't even, I'd rather be deployed. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, he goes, he goes, uh, I said, okay. I said, I'm putting, I got mine loaded. I put one in. He goes, screw that. I put two in. I'm dumping three rocks in. in my barrel. He put rocks down in his barrel. <laughs> whatever. He was like losing his mind. Anyways, we got settled down. Nothing came in, you know, but we had the fire going still. And we were running low on firewood. Now we're running low on firewood because it rained at the, right before we got to this event. And all the wood around us was wet. Back at camp two miles away is more firewood. So Evan says, let's load up. And one of Somebody come with me. We're going to load up in my car. We're going to run down the camp where all the other thousands of reenactors are, the smart ones that didn't go off into nowhere. Um, and we're going to get some firewood and bring it back because we need to keep fire going. So if there are coyotes surrounding us, it keeps them out, right? So I'm the one that volunteers. So we got to walk 100 yards out of the woods with our with our basically nothing we didn't have flashlights and it's not like we're you're a civil war soldier you don't have flashlights right so we just kind of guided our way out through the woods your your eyes adjust we followed the path back to the car and we got in the car quick and i'm scared to death walking through the woods right and we get to the car and we start the car up and we're getting ready to back out you guys were all back at camp and his headlights go out across this field okay uh the cotton field and i'm not kidding you there were 40 coyotes sitting there about maybe 40 yards away looking at us, 40 of them. And they're just sitting there in a huge gaggle of coyotes. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. There's, do you see how many there are? You can see their, their eyes you know, shining from the headlights. And he goes, oh, man. So he, he backs up the other way and across the other side of the field in another direction, there's another 40 or 30 30 or 40, I don't know how many, it were tons of coyotes and they were looking at the car too. And he starts backing out and I'm like, whoa, 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 Evan, stop the car. He, I said, we can't go, we can't leave them back at camp with, there's, there's, we don't know how many, there might be 50, a hundred coyotes out there. And I said, we can't leave them back at the fire. Uh, he goes, I said, your, your 12 year old son's there. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. I said, yeah, we can't, we can't go. I said, my son's there. He's an adult, but he, you know, whatever. So we went, we went back and we walked back into the camp. We left the car running with the headlights on. We went back into camp. We told you guys, pack your stuff, getting out of here. I told you guys what we saw, and everybody starts rolling their stuff up as fast as they can to get out. Except one guy. Up in both cars. What's that? Except one guy. Who? Oh, Dave. oh yeah, yeah, Dave. He so, just go. He just laid there. And he went. Well, you know, if they're gonna eat me, they're gonna eat me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was too laid back, man. <laughs> but but anyways, we had um, while we're I got all my stuff rolled up and I'm ready to go, and I got my gun, and um, those guys grab theirs, and Mike is up next to me, and he goes, he's already up and ready too, and he looks up towards the car, and he goes, Todd, look up towards the, look up towards the car, and right in front of the headlights, you can see. Coyote after coyote running directly in front of the car into the woods where we're at. I mean, like over and over and over. You can just see bodies of these coyotes running in front of the cars. And I'm like, oh my God, they're coming in after us, right? So as a group, after we stomped the fire out, and uh, you know, it was wet ground anyways, and we stomped it all out, and we walked in the dark 
it, we had some of us had like metal. We were clanging metal pots and a coffee pot and some other stupid yelling. things and yelling and making all kinds of noise. As a group, we moved as a group real slowly through the woods up to the car and got out of there. When um, we got in the car and one of the guys said, when I was driving the car back, he goes, um, seven, somebody said, seven grown men chased out of the woods by a bunch of dogs. And then somebody else said, Right now, I don't feel like much of a man. <laughs> but bar hearts were beating, man. That was the craziest thing ever. I, I don't know. That was probably one of the scariest things. Dude, that was nuts. That was nuts. That was scary. And then we got back to camp. Just as a funny. The back people back in camp were like, we were telling them the story. I couldn't even fall asleep. We all drink a beer at that point now. But Dude, and even funnier, yeah, that, that same weekend, we had a moment where we had that. I tackled that kid that next day. That was pretty funny, too. So we were held up in like this, we were held up in like this line. No one would let us move. And this was during the actual reenactment uh, the next day. And um, I forget what even happened. There were some guys on the other side taunting us. We knew who they were, though. Fire, and we couldn't fire because nobody was facing our side. Right, that's what it was. So they weren't letting us fire. We had, and we had a couple, we had maybe a thousand people down the line in, two, in rows of two or two or three or four, you know? And um, nobody was firing because nobody was, the other side wasn't facing us. They were getting attacked from behind. So, anyways, um, we kept you guys kept bugging him, uh, bugging our general to let us let him charge and, and attack him from behind. And of course, they weren't letting us do that because they had this whole thing scripted or whatever. But uh, the yeah. spectators couldn't see us, though. Right. Right. Uh, spectators couldn't see us anyways. This, everything that we did was just for pure enjoyment of our own groups. So it got everybody got tired of waiting, and the other side was doing what they weren't supposed to do. They weren't supposed to attack the, our, our enemy from the back. There was another uh, group, the Southern Guard or something like that, and they were not following the rules uh, of what was supposed to be planned. And they came um, – They anyways, we couldn't attack. So – the general comes walking up finally, and he goes, okay, Todd, send two. So I sent you and Brian. And I said, go. And you guys just took off across that field, right? And um, there was a big mound because everybody had dunked. Dug, we dug these trenches ourselves at these things uh, with our own um, metal plates Everybody had a metal plate in their in their rucksack, and it would we would just dug you would yeah we dug we dug our entrenchments in the sand with you know spent an hour or so doing it. Remember that we actually made coffee in the in the entrenchment. Yeah. yeah, but anyways, you guys ran down to the other end and you got up on top of the hill and started yelling. I don't think you fired or anything, but no, you yeah, and they saw you coming. And they ran. You're all on top of the hill. I'll let you talk, talk tell it from there. So we were up on top of the hill, just yelling at them and and like enticing them to come at us. And a couple other the young guys from the other side ran straight at us. And obviously the spectators couldn't see where we were. We were kind of tucked back in this little L shape in the woods, so we were yeah. hidden. And they ran at us, and uh, we had like a for the entertainment basically of both sides who were already bored out of their minds because we couldn't do anything else but sit there. We had like a hand to hand. We were fight. We fought like it was like a legit. We were fighting. It wasn't. We weren't. <laughs> it started out as like we're just gonna mess around, and it ended up being yeah. like no, we're actually like throwing hands. 
And yeah. uh, <laughs> so I did my part and I, I pushed, I, you know, I, I got the kid into the ground. I, I worked him down and I, I say kid, my age, not, I wasn't hitting the kid. Yeah. He's my right. age. We knew who right. they were and we knew who they were, but, um, yeah. um, I thought it was over. So I'm walking away back to my, like my line of guys where well, you were I, still in the hill. Yeah. But I'm walking away now. Yeah, and yeah. he gets up. The other kid gets up and charges my buddy Brian. Yeah, and now it's two and one. I hear him back there going, "Brad, I need help! I need help!" And then I turn around and I look back at our line, and they're all yelling at me to go back. So then I turn around and sprint at this kid and leapt. And you jumped off the hill and land, and you hit him <laughs> like Jimmy Superfly Snooker <laughs> in the air and hit him. And it was the biggest body hit. It was like it was like you were playing on the hockey rink, like you had. And you crushed this kid. I mean, it went down hard. And when you did it, the entire Confederate line of over a thousand or more, or more that, soldiers yeah. in line were probably way more than that. Everybody just put their arms and their rifles up in the air and went, Ooh, ah! you know, it was, it was this big, loud cheer. <laughs> I like I was in a movie side. Gladiator. It was. It was insane. And uh, you were like a hero. And then when you guys come running back, they were all cheering again. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it was, was funny, man. You crushed that kid. But, um, yeah, we knew who they and, were, though. And, I mean, we ended up. And you got back to the line. The general comes running up on his horse, and he goes, I love you guys. <laughs> oh, man. It was just, you had to be there. So let's, uh, yeah. let's talk about, um, let's talk the about. Coyotes the coyotes were crazy. Yep. Yeah. Um, so we did the Middletown train raid. I have some notes down let's here. Let's talk about Union so, Canal. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't even really remember much of Union Canal, so I'll let I'll let you uh, I'll let you run with that one. Well, that was this one. It was one another one. Here's how a lot of our battles go. Let's sum up a lot of the battles. No, no, no. No, I mean the night, the night. Oh, the night, the uh, Kraken. Oh uh, well, hey, I wasn't involved with that. You just were drinking that. I was sitting around the campfire with you guys, well, and you were drinking that crack, and I didn't try any of that. I will never drink that and stuff I, again. So my buddy, and your mom and I woke up. Your mom was camping. We were campaign camping on our blankets and nothing else, and that's how we camp most of the time. No tent, even if it rained. You had a blanket, maybe a gum a gum blanket, which is basically a rubberized piece of canvas that you would pull over top of you, and that was it. That was your that was your your, your sleeping gear. Yeah. Anyways, we, we camped there and your, your mom, um, was camped in a tent over across the field. And, uh, so I got up and I walked, I, first of all, I got up in the morning after the night of sitting around the campfire with you guys. I had a couple beers, but you guys were drinking that Kraken, whatever well, that is. No, I was ended up, I ended up being the only one who drank that. Oh, okay. So you drank it and I woke up. <laughs> And you're not there. You were sleeping there down near me, near the base of my feet. And I got up and I walked over and I had stepped out of my blanket and I got up and I stepped in something wet. <laughs> and it, it was not the dew, the morning dew. Uh, it was chunky wet. Let's put it that way. So, then, and I'm like, uh oh. And you were gone. And I'm like, uh oh. So, the, where we camped, there was a canal. It's an actual canal that was used in Pennsylvania. And um, it's a scenic canal. They actually get boat rides on it and everything else. And uh, 
there's uh, the embankments along the canal. There's a trail or a walking path and whatever. And I woke up and I went up to your mom at the tent. She was awake and we took a little walk and we walked up to the canal and just took a walk up along the canal. And there's some other couples, some older couples that were not reenactors. They, they were just, just enjoying their, their morning their, at the Union Canal. Their morning walk at the <laughs> Canal. And I looked down and there is the proud moment of my son kneeling next to the canal. It, <laughs> I had my head in the water. I donating my. You had your head in the water? No, like over the edge of the canal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Donating my um, my guts to the canal. Yeah, it was a proud parent moment, and um, yeah, so that was uh, that was the Union Canal. That was a that was a really goofy battle. There's another one of those ones where you have some overzealous people that think everything is real, and we run into a lot of that in reenacting. Not in our group so much. So- of the hardcore campaigners, um, they knew better. They knew that hey, we have a, you know we're here to teach history, and they were good at what they did. Okay, but we would do things, and there were there were a lot of people that took this to the point where they they thought it was real, and when they were doing the part, they hey, we did too. We when you do it, when you do it, you want to make sure you were doing it so you're doing it correctly. But there's a fine line, and when you're being a jerk and you're actually serious and yelling at people and everything else, and you're mad at people and it's not real and it's a small event and you're acting like an ass, that happened a lot. Yeah. And uh, there was a lot of that. And it wasn't so much in our – it was mainly the Farbs, and whenever we did stuff with them, when the campaigners did stuff with Farbs or against Farbs, they didn't understand what we tried to do. They didn't like that. They, they thought that we thought we were better than they were, and we were. And, um, <laughs> but not they, they, no, no, but they wanted to make it, they, they, they thought everything was real. There's a lot of politics involved, and uh, they had to show themselves as their commanders. And, you know, you'd have a unit that had, here with our group, we would have um, 50, let's say we had 50 guys that go out. Okay. Now, an actual company during the Civil War had 100 men. Okay. 100 men in a company, you know, 10 companies made uh, um, a, a regiment. Okay. And you would have 1,000 men in your regiment in general. Yeah. Okay. Union or. Comp- okay. So there's a little more, a little less. Okay. So a, a thousand, you have 100 guys to a company. Now, you'd have a captain that ran that company. Generally, there's a captain. Okay. And he had a couple of lieutenants. And a couple sergeants. But a lot of these units that they are our, our unit to do it portray correctly. If we had 50 guys, we had a lieutenant, maybe a lieutenant, okay, and a sergeant. And that was it. And everybody else was a private. Mm-hmm. And we gladly were private. We loved doing that, you know? I'd rather. Yeah. But we picked a guy that knew what he knew how to give the commands. Every now and then I would do it, but. For the most part, it was I intentionally never took a rank. No, no. Because I didn't want, and, to, I didn't want to deal with it. Right. So um, you know, for most of our – most of all – me too. Most of our uh, campaigning, we just were privates all the time. You know, we loved being a private. Nobody was any higher than that. And, the, and when you were the captain at one event or the lieutenant at one event, the next event you did – the next event, you were probably going to be a private. You know, and uh, it's whatever. Somebody else would try it. So it was. It was. But with the Farbs, what they did was they'd buy they their had, rank. They they would yeah they would well they buy their rank. They would 
they would uh, they would have to do things and work their way up through the ranks in their unit to get there. And what would happen was you'd have like 15 guys to a group and they would have a captain, a lieutenant, three sergeants, uh, two corporals, and four four other guys as privates. And you're like, oh, that's real. That's That looks real when you march out there. Right. Everybody's got stripes, right? So that happened a lot on that side. And, and as a result of that, because it was the way they did things and how the ranking went, it got all political. And then somebody was trying to prove themselves out there. And they, they didn't understand why we had all these men and we only ever had a lieutenant. And uh, where's your where's your company commander? Well, he's right there. He's, a, he's only a lieutenant. Well, he's, I'm sorry he's not a general walking into battle with you. With 30 but, guys. Yeah, 30 guys. <laughs> so – but, um, you know, it, that's just the kind of stuff we had to deal with. So that event was kind of like that. It was uh, the rest of that event. There was really nothing eventful at that one. But, uh, so what's a, the, what's oh, that? and the end contest that we had where we, where, oh, where we, we had killed them. Yeah, killed them in the contest. They had like a little nighttime contest. It was like an Olympics. They, reenactor Olympics. You know, we're, yeah, yeah. Reenactor and, Olympics. And, and, and a lot of reenactors aren't um, as competitive as our group was. Because uh, yeah. a lot of us had played, not that no one has never played sports before in reenacting. Right. I'm not saying that, but we just had a high level of competitiveness. We'll just say that, and um, and we found ways to win. We were very good at making sure we won. Right. So we uh, we went above and beyond to make sure we won that the the Olympics there. Right. <clears throat> And that was yeah, one I so, did without shirt. Remember, I did it like I look like a bumpkin, man. I was just like, like country yep. bumpkin kid. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That was a good one. That was a good one. So, but uh, on that note, let's go on that note. You had your. Um, I was doing a one forty eighth, one forty eighth Gettysburg, and it was the lightning event. Oh my and, god! Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> you, forgot, you forgot about the lightning event? <laughs> Yo, I completely forgot about that guy. So, that one. So we're in our camp, in our tents, at the at, at the at the annual Gettysburg event, 148th, I guess it was, was about that two years. The one before, at pumping before. station. Yeah. Yeah, I remember which, Yeah, that one. That one. That road, pumping station road. Yeah. So they um, we're at Gettysburg. It, they don't do Gettysburg reenactment. They can't do on it on the, the Gettysburg. They don't do it on the battlefield. The Gettysburg battlefield does not allow that. It's sacred ground, and rightly so. Right. And um, so it's done in farmer's fields that borders the battlefield. So uh, this section is right along the section that borders uh, the covered bridge, Saks Bridge. Uh, it's right down over the hill. Just past um, But it's basically – it's not battlefield. Now, it might – I'm sure troops his, actually – Don't get me wrong. It's travel, still historic but, ground. Uh, Still historic ground because in the retreat of the Gettysburg and the approach of Gettysburg, troops moved through there to get to the battlefield. Right. So, but it's owned by farmers. So they, um, anyways, when they do these events, they have two locations at Gettysburg, um, and those two locations vary it from year to year, and uh, that that is uh, where they hold it. Now they get thousands of spectators. They have rows and rows of food trucks and everything else, and it's expensive. It costs you to take your family there. It'll cost you a hundred bucks, so a family of four to go see the thing for the whole for the whole event. But um, <clears throat> for reenactors, 
um, we camp there and, uh, we get there early and of course set up our camp usually a day or two before. And <clears throat> so we're at this one event. This is the, we call it the lightning event because on the second night, Saturday evening, um, a big storm rolled in and we had just got done doing the big dance and everything up there where they had the, the period dance under a big giant circus type tent. And, uh, they uh, they had a second South Carolina string band up there, and they played music, and the girls and guys danced in their period clothes. And we got back to camp, and everybody's settling in, and this thunderstorm starts rolling in. It's about 11 or 12 o'clock at night, and we're in this tent on the side of the hill, and all the water's running down the hill, and it comes down torrential rain. It's a major lightning, lightning bolts popping down every Now, we, I mean, they were kaboom popping everywhere. And water was running underneath my tent. The wind kicked up so bad, I had to stand basically at the front of my tent with the flaps flapping all over the place and holding the pole down so your mom and your mom's inside holding the inside pole on the other end of the tent just to keep this thing from taking off like Mary Poppins across the field. And <clears throat> and it was a big canvas tent. And um, so we're pulling all the stuff out from under our cots and sitting them on top of the cots to make sure nothing gets wet especially her dresses and things like that and then of course and there's mud everywhere right and i look it out and i see this i see this you guys were in you and brian uh matt were in a pup tent <laughs> okay uh half shelter pup tent okay and the front of those don't have any they don't have no doors a, no flaps. No, they don't have. They don't have flaps. It's just a. It's a. It's a, a button together. Uh, it's a shelter half. It's a half shelter it. half. Yeah. So, half shelter half. And they had buttons on one side, and each soldier would have one he carried with him. They button them together. You know, put them put them up on, on a stick or or whatever across a yeah. long, yeah, you know, sapling of some type. And then they make a shelter, make a shelter and sleep under that. That's why they, they called it a dog tent because it wasn't fit for a dog. Okay, so the um, um, I see you guys had put a tarp over the another like maybe another half shelter over the front of it, okay, or poncho or yeah, something. We had three tarp. Uh, we had three pon- three half three shelter halves. Okay, so they had this canvas poncho or something or shelter half in, on the front end of it, and I see somebody coming out of this thing in the middle of this torrential storm with lightning bolts coming down. I mean, they were coming down at the camp, okay. There were camps all around us, behind us, too. And I see a big body come out, and it looked like it had four legs, and they're all, and, 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 and it, it was a over their head, and they can't see where they're running. And, and, they, and I guess they, the tarp came off, and you guys were just in like a pair of underwear. Dude, all I had on was my underwear. <laughs> and, and you guys were running across this field towards the cars which were maybe 200 or 300 yards away or more oh, away. They were, they were a half mile from the, from the camp. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably a half mile. They had, started heading that direction in this in this rain. And I'm like, oh, my God. Well, eventually the stop, I see you and, you know, and and um, um, Mike. Mike running across the field with your underwear. And that's it. <laughs> just under, just like some whitey, tidy whitey running across the field. It was funny. So – I think you had boxers and he had tiny weight. Who knows? And, uh, but it was, I'm like laughing my ass off because I'm holding this pole trying to keep it from flying yeah, but away. See, his tent, his shelter half fell apart. Oh. So he came to my tiny little, dude, 
well, it's like one in the morning. He comes to my tiny little shelter half because yeah. his blew apart and <laughs> his, his his blew apart in the storm. It, like it like disintegrated because he didn't put it into the ground very. He didn't stake anything down. He didn't tie it off well, and uh, didn't set it up right. So his side right. of the shelter half completely disintegrated. So he tries to cram into mine. So we got two dudes in this tiny little shutter half, and I'm like, "Hey, we can't stay here. We gotta go." <laughs> and uh, and uh, I just remember so, grabbing that loose third one and going, "All right, on account of after the next lightning strike, we're gonna sprint to the car." And then well, and then halfway across the fi- halfway across yeah. the field, a big wind gust comes around. And it blows the shelter half off of our backs. We tried. To, you ever seen those costumes? It's like the two people in one to make a horse or a donkey. It looked yeah. like that. It felt like that. Exactly what it looked like it, to me. It felt like that. And I'm laughing. I was telling, trying to describe it to your mom while it was like bolts of lightning bolting down all over the place. And the whole thing goes. I'm like, I can't believe those crazy asses are going across that field with all the lightning coming down right now. And it, you know, the tarp blows field. off. Yes, with no clothes on. And and I'm like, oh, my God. So the the storm calms down. And then we hear about 15 minutes after the storm calms down, I hear all these sirens and flashing lights that are coming into camp. Okay? This is all over the news, by you the way. You still haven't seen the, us. It made the news. It made national news, I believe. Yeah. And um, the camp directly behind us, about 15 feet away from the back of my tents, um, maybe 20 feet, was another camp of our artillery camp. And apparently one of the bolts of lightning came down, hit one of the poles uh, of the tent. And they, they used metal. Well, they're not metal. Well, they're metal, but they're, they're iron stakes and they shared iron stakes. And they had which a metal cot. Did. And a metal cot. They had a metal cot. And the one woman had to be taken away. She was pregnant. She had to be taken away and she had her, 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 her I guess a metal cot, the electricity went through the metal cot, uh, the lightning bolt, and it melted her sweater or whatever she was wearing uh, to her skin or something like that. Um, another guy um, was injured as well. They had to take two people away. And um, the tent was just, like, charred, okay? And we didn't even know what was going on. We got come out of the tent, and there's, like, ambulances and fire trucks all over the place. And they're, they're coming to our camp, and they're going – Hey, get a head count. So I walked around to all my tents to see who was around, and I got everybody except you two. And you didn't and, know where uh, we were. So we saw there was another storm coming. So we were like, you know what? Let's get some of our stuff. We'll go up to the parking lot. We're going to head up and sit in the car for this next one because it was supposed to be just as bad. It was coming right on the heels of it. And we'll go back to camp afterwards. And um, and we went up there, and you guys are sit- sleeping in the back end of your pickup truck. I did find. No, I had a blazer. Oh, it was a blazer. Okay, well, whatever. And you were in the back of that, and um, I could tell because your windows were all steamed up. And uh, but yeah, that was uh, that was scary. And those people were they were unfortunately they 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 were hurt, but they were okay. And that woman that was pregnant was 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 okay, and her baby was of course okay. So um, that all worked out. But we knew those people. They were an artillery unit, and. Uh, they, they definitely got an artillery barrage by nature that night, so that that happened. But watching you guys run out of that tent with the stuff around your head that was that was a funny. Oh yeah, that was pretty funny. I forgot all about yeah. that. That was that uh, that Friday night before that was 
Colonel Harper. Oh my who god. I I had Colonel Harper and that's not his real name. Colonel Harper and I had some history. And it started at this event, 148 Gettysburg. And Colonel Harper had this group of guys. He had a lot of guys. They were maybe we'll 40 him, or 50 we're gonna guys. Re- we're going to rename him appropriately for, uh, Colonel Hollywood. Colonel Hollywood, yes. Because uh, we also used to call him Colonel Nat Geo. Because he had National Geographic filming him at this event. The whole time he was there, they were there with a TV crew filming some kind of historical thing on Civil War history, something for National Geographic. And he was all about this guy's a big deal. He has got a big unit. Was, I shouldn't say it like that, right? But he had a big company. <laughs> oh, he man. had a big company. Scott, of Scott's going to get you for that one. Yeah. <laughs> he had a big so unit. Uh, so he had, anyways, <laughs> he had maybe 40 or 50 guys. And they were these guys were like – they were decent reenactors, you know, but um, our group wasn't even there yet early that Friday for the battle. It was a six o'clock Friday evening battle, and a lot of the guys were just getting off work and coming to camp. So I had me and another guy and um, and our captain. Okay, the captain didn't want to go out, so I wanted to go do the battle. I grabbed my rifle, and I walked up to Colonel Harper or Colonel Hollywood, and I said, Colonel – I said, uh, I need to jump in here to a group. Can I jump in with you? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. Yeah, we're doing some filming, so you got to, you know, my kit was good enough that, um, that he was he was impressed with that. I had a pretty good kit. And uh, he goes, yeah, we're doing some filming, so, yeah, gladly jump in, whatever. Like, Just get on up there. He was talking to somebody like he's a big deal. And he was, they were having a conversation. He said, you're going up. I'll join up ahead with you guys soon. So you go up and see that sergeant. So I went up to that sergeant guy, and I was like, yeah, hey, I'm, uh, I'm going to follow in with you guys for this one until my unit gets here. Well, I'm enough, guys. And he goes, oh, okay, well, you get in over here. And he, he uh, pointed and had me line up and get in the second rear rank, the rear rank. I was in the rear rank, and my other buddy who was in our unit, he got in the front rank. Okay, he was down a little, he was a little shorter. And you go tall to small. The guys in the front are tall, and the guys in the, that are smaller are the, at the end. Okay, so you go tall to small in line. And that means when you go to march in file forward in row in a row of two or four, your tall guys are in the front. So when they take fire, guess who gets hit? Your tall guys get hit first, and then you guys behind aren't getting hit because they're shorter, and then you have them for battle. They're probably not going to die as easily. So your tall guys go down first. That's why you line them up tall to small. Anyhow. So I'm down there in the tall end, and I'm in the rear rank, and I guess he didn't like – I wasn't in the exact spot that he wanted. He wanted me to like two over, whatever, and he comes walking up, and this, these are how these guys think. They think everything is real, right? He thinks he's a real sergeant. There ain't a spectator around. I'll put the game on when there's a spectator around, and I'll do the job, okay? But he comes walking up, and he grabs, he reaches in, and he grabs the front of my jacket. And he goes, I didn't tell you to line up there. I told you to line up over here. And he grabbed my jacket, and he had a grip of it like he was going to pull me. And I grabbed his arm, and I said, you need, you don't, you don't, you need to let go. I said, you don't touch me. I said, don't have, there's no reason to touch me. You just tell me where you want me to move in a nice way. And I'll move over there. Mm-hmm. I said, but you're going to take your goddamn hand off me. <laughs> I said, I said, you don't touch me. Oh, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry. I said, well, I'm, I'm nervous. The Colonel makes me nervous. I'm like, I'm like, really? And all these guys are like looking at me like I'm from outer space. Right. I say, why, uh, why does he make you nervous? Well, he's got this TV crew and it's real serious right now. And I'm a, I was like, Oh my God. I said, this isn't real. You guys, whatever. So I, I moved to where I said, just tell me next time. Just tell me where you want me to go. I'll gladly go there. I'll be, I'll be polite. I won't have to just don't grab me. Don't touch me. You know? So we started walking and marching. The Colonel comes up, gives us this big giant speech. This is a Colonel Colonel. We should call him Colonel douchebag is what we should call him. But he comes up and one guy in their unit, it's his, his unit. And one guy in their group, he has his little brother and he may be like four or five years old. Mm -hmm. And he had a little, he had a little outfit on with a Kepi on and a jacket and a rifle. He's standing next to his older brother and he's standing next to his older brother and his older brother's probably 22. He's, you know, but it was his brother, you know, he's a much older brother and he's standing next to him and this Colonel's walking back and forth and telling us about how it should be all serious and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you're trying to, bite my lip, keep him laughing from this guy. Uh, he's just, he was just out, out of control. He was trying to make sure everything looked good for this camera crew. Right. And there's this little kid and we didn't, we weren't even at the battle yet. We were at camp getting ready to march in to where the spectators were. This, this kid was just going to be there for a couple minutes and he stops and he goes, what is that kid doing here? He goes, why is he here? Why is he in our formation? And, uh, and I'm looking at him like, and the, and the other and the, and the guy goes, that's just my little brother. He's just standing here. He goes, get him the hell out of here. He said, you don't belong here. And the kid starts bawling. The little kid's crying. And I'm like, I, I couldn't help myself. And I was like, that's a jackass thing to do, man. He's a little kid. I said, he ain't going to battle with us. He said, you need to take this more seriously. I was like, okay, man. Whatever. I said, just march us, man. So he started marching us. We marched into to the battle. And we're marching. This is the craziest march I've ever done, Mark, uh, Brett. This is the snake march. Okay. He's marching us. And we're doing this snake maneuver down through the field into the battle. The battle's already starting, right? And he's marching us in to get into formation in our, you know, in, in rank. And we, we're, we're marching down. And he's got us. In, I think in rows of twos at the time, but a big long row. He put us in long rows because in long rows of two instead of four because he wanted to make it look like even more men for the cameras. But he's marching us, and we're doing this snake movement down through this waist-high field. And I'm like, what the hell are we doing? And I and the guy goes, I don't know. He's never marched us like this before. I said, that's, cause, <laughs> that's because that's because that's, this isn't how you march. <laughs> so, and – so we get down there and we started, we did the whole <laughs> battle and everything. And I was like, and I got down there and I literally asked him, I said, why this is the battle ended and we were walking back to camp. And I said, why did we do that snake movement down to, I said, I never did that. I've done a lot of reenactments, a lot of them. And I've never done anything like that. What was that? And he goes, that was so we don't get hit by enemy fire. I was like, what? <laughs> he said, <laughs> <laughs> he said so we, we, we move like that, and then it, it, it keeps you from getting hit. I said, you mean like a cartoon? You mean like a cartoon where they're shooting a gun and the guy's running in, in, in zigzag pattern so he doesn't get hit? I said, I said that's, that, that, it was never done like that. 
And I said, you're the worst. You're the worst. I walked away. His camera crew was there and everything, man. Oh, my God. I said, you're the worst ever. I walked away from him. He was a jerk. Anyways, that was, uh, that, was that part of it. Oh, my. There were people like that. A lot of people like that. Oh, yeah. So, they lived the part. They lived their lives they, like it was the part. Yeah. Do we have any readers' questions? We do. We do. Listener questions? We do. Some of the listeners' questions. Right. Maybe we'll maybe some of these will fit into some of the listeners. Oh, they do. For okay, sure. All right. Let me scroll. Okay. This one is from uh, Ron Piskel. What was the one battlefield you wanted to get to but couldn't? Oh, you mean for reenacting or just to go to a battlefield? I guess just in general, yeah. Um, I I like to go to Vicksburg and see Vicksburg, Mississippi's battlefield. Yeah, that'd be so, that'd be an an awesome yeah. one to see. As I, far as reenacting goes, if it came down the pike, there's one I missed that I wish I would have went to. Uh, the one fifties, I did them all. Okay, I mean, I, I would have liked to have gone to Appomattox. Oh, that's just two then. <laughs> I didn't do that one, so there's two I didn't do. That one in Fredericksburg, yeah. I did not do Fredericksburg. And uh, they did. I, I wish I had done Fredericksburg. Yep. But, this one is also from yeah. Ron. What was the absolute okay. worst experience during your reenacting? Oh man! Oh, worst my, experience. My worst experience ever reenacting. Yeah. Um. Man, that's a tough one. It might have been. I don't know if I ever had so Ron. I don't know if I ever had a terrible. Try to make the best of everything, even if it was sucky. You know, I think we just have fun with laugh at it. Whenever, it it, whenever it was really bad, and people and other people were making it bad for us, we would just become this. My 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 dad and I's group of friends and group would just become like this pack of hyenas, and we would <laughs> we would end up having fun and laughing about stuff, and then people would get more irritated because we were having fun with it at that point. Cause we're like, well, listen, you're not going to ruin our fun. Like we're going to just yeah, make yeah. fun with this. So, right. And we just kind of did our thing. We didn't really, you know, and if they didn't like it, we just, well, whatever. Yeah. I don't <laughs> think I ever had a bad moment. If I had yeah. to pick one, it might, what was it? We had a couple cold ones. I don't enjoy the cold. Uh, I don't like the cold ones. You want the one the wax museum. You guys woke up frozen to the ground. Yeah. That, one that time. wasn't fun. I didn't think that um, was cold. Yeah. Um, I and did. then, he asked if... Oh, I got a bad moment. All right. Other than the cat shit uh, volleyball court? No, no, this is bad. You'll love this one. Okay. This one is... Um, we were at this place called Pitzer's Woods. And we were doing... A, this is a campaign. <laughs> was this, this the was, ants? Was, yeah. <laughs> this is... This is, um, this is <laughs> Pitzer's Woods, which is a woods in Gettysburg where Longstreet's Corps came out of the... Wood line and made it <laughs> across and cross the fields into uh, the battle, second day battle of Gettysburg. Um, and we were acting as I don't know what we were that weekend. I think we were Barksdale's Brigade. I'm and sure we, we were, were acting yeah. as Barksdale's Brigade at that event. And it was all hardcore guys. And we were all dressed. No, no, it was a it was a it was a Louisiana group that we were. We were a Louisiana group. And it doesn't I can't matter what it was tenth Louisiana or whatever it was, but we went out and, and uh, did our thing. It, this was a truly done. This was a park service event. So the park service and they, they would ask our group, our campaigner group, 
the National Park Service would contact us and say, hey, we'd like you to do this event. We're going to do an event for spectators on this weekend. Yeah, we did a living history at the battlefield. We did that a lot. And uh, we we got to sleep on the actual battlefield. It's the only way you could possibly do it. It's if the Park Service asked you to be able to do that or if you've got permits to do that. And uh, so they were super cool. And that's what one of these was. So I got there. We did our thing. And I rolled my – you guys picked these two, tr- this tr- these two nice trees to lay next to in the woods. It was the best spot. It was cool. You could see up <laughs> – we had a full moon that night. And it was a great spot. And I thought, oh, I'll roll next to you guys. And we'll sit there at night and sit out there on your blankets. And it was summer, you know, so it wasn't like it was cold. And we lay on top of our blankets and just kind of, you know, fall asleep and – talk while we're laying out there right and um <clears throat> middle of the night i feel something crawling on me right <laughs> yeah and i was beside you <laughs> wiping my uh, electronic thing i had there was my phone right and um so i'm like smacking my and i had a full moon anyway so i could see like ants on my arm and they're biting right it was like I'm not, not talking just a little. There's a bunch of ants on me. And I'm like, man, there's ants on me. And you guys are like right next to me. And they're like, there's nothing on me. <laughs> no, you wake like, me up and you go, Yo, so, do you feel something crawling on you? I'm like, no, why? You're like, dude, there's ants. <laughs> I can't even say it. You go, you go, dude, there's ants. <laughs> There's ants everywhere, and I'm like, I, I don't feel any ants, man. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, And, and then I fell back. <laughs> I fell back. I fell back asleep and I heard you over there like smacking yourself, you know, like, and I'm like, I woke back, I woke back up and I'm like, I woke back up and I'm like, what's your, what's your problem? Like, what is going on? You're like, dude, don't you have, you're like, don't you have ants all over you? I'm like, no, there's no, there's no ants. What are you talking about? There's no ants. And and you're like, (laughs) I had to go back to sleep. I thought I'd kill them all. And I, I'm laying there on this rubberized poncho, and I had like a blanket that I didn't really lay on underneath it because it was too warm. And I'm like, and I'm like, and then I I fell them again. So I'm up now, smacking this rubber poncho. And they're all over it. I turn my flash my flashlight feature on on my phone, and because uh, we turn our phones down or off for volume, we don't want that stuff going off. But we're, nobody is there anyway. So I turn that on, and I'm like shining it, and I'm like, oh my god, there's ants all over the place. You guys wake up, and I. I lift my poncho, my rubberized poncho up. Rubberized poncho, by the way, is a piece of black canvas. I mean, a piece of canvas with like vulcanized it's actually rubber. Rubberized. Yeah, vulcanized rubber on the outside made by Goodyear. And that's who made them back then, too. Goodyear was uh, one of the way- ways they got started with rubber. And, you know, um, it made, and it had a slit in the center, and you put your head through it. It was a poncho. But you also use it to lay down on it and put a barrier between you and the wet ground. Right. But anyhow, I'm smacking these things, and we pick the poncho up and look, and there's anthills underneath. No, no, all no, we under- weren't that far yet. We weren't that far oh, yet. Okay, you, you were laying there, and I'm like, well, what the hell do you want us to do about it? Like, I ain't, no, no, you said something about, like, let's get up and move. And me and Brian were like, dude, we're comfortable and s- sleeping. Like, we're not moving. And you laid there for like 30 seconds, and you went, well, F it. I'm just going to let them carry me away. Carry me away. Let these ants carry me off into the field. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Take me into where uh, General Longstreet's core is, right? <laughs> so um, so he's – so I picked up – the. Uh, finally, I eventually, I picked it up. And I, when I looked underneath it, there were ant hills underneath there and holes where they were just coming out of there by the hundreds. 
And uh, I was like, oh, my God. So I moved. And I don't know why they weren't where you were. You were like two feet away. But I moved to another area and slept for the rest of the night. But, yeah, that was uh, that was that was probably the worst. That was my probably my worst experience as a kid. I had little bite marks on my on my ankles and my on my because uh, they were crawling up my shoes onto my onto my ankles. My socks were rolled down. Well, I didn't have my shoes on, you know, so I had little ant bites on my on my arms and legs. It was awful. So that was that. Next question is from Dazzy J. At what point did you know that the reenacting scene was not for you? Actually, wait. Let's back that up. Ron Piskel asks if either of us had an 1860s persona and we had a lot of different, like we had, we had many, many, many different, um, kits, you would call it kits of different, we did everything. We did zoos, we did tigers, we did nor all different types of units for North and South. We did it all. So, yeah. And we would do, um, uh, different units, particularly just the you know the number of the unit. If we were doing this program for the Park Service on the battlefield, we do uh, we would portray we that the unit exact unit that was at that location on the battlefield wherever yeah. they had us. So okay, let oh go ahead. I just wanted to further kind of delve in that real quick. Um, with that, what we would do is. Um, no. Well, I lost my chance file on that. So go ahead. Oh, yep. I was just going to bring up what um, the next one. Whatever me. was necessary or whatever portray they wanted us to portray, we portrayed it. And these guys, a lot of the guys that we were with, made their own uniforms, um, or they make them for other people, and we get them from them. Yep. Um, my wife could also make some of the uniforms she got patterns for, and uh, we she made some of those types of things um, for us as well. Um, whatever was needed for that particular event. And, uh, you know, these guys hard researched their stuff. We also did this other really cool thing called battle walks. And I did most of that work to put them together. But what we do is we get a whole mess of guys. We pick a Saturday. Everybody be, meet in Gettysburg. And I pick one regiment that w- we would be for the weekend, right? And I would look the history up, follow, spend a little bit of time working out a the, wh- where they marched and how they marched in the battle, where they fought. And I would write notes and take a uh, clipboard. that had uh, all kinds of, you know, different stories and accounts and things like that. And our guys would march in full uniform. We would, it, we would all dress the part of that unit. So if I was like, um, uh, uh, the 10th North Carolina, 10th North Carolina or whatever it is coming in, we were that we were the third Arkansas or whoever. And we'd come in and we were that from, we'd march in just like they did to however many miles it was in the battle with just our gear for our battle and our blanket rolls. And, um, and, you know, and we would do the, we would do the actual march of what they did that day. Right. And, and it was cool. And each way along, we'd stop at certain points and then I would narrate what happened here. And then other guys may have something they chimed in from information they picked up on that same spot or a different spot. And we go further along. Well, what was cool when we did these was we actually looked the part of that group. Okay. And we looked like we came out of a history book. It was good. Well, that's these guys because were all our kids good. were all beaten to hell and we'd been marching for right. hours. Right, exactly. And, and, and what was neat was, yeah. I was going to say, and there were often times where we would march in, uh, you know, battle ready. Every time we marched with those battle walks, we would do, ba- we mm. would be in battle ready uh, kits. 
Right. You couldn't carry powder or caps no. uh, for your gun onto the, the National Park Service does not allow that unless you're doing a firing demo for them. Um, but we would do this on our own. And they, we would do this like every couple weekends. So all summer, we might do five or six of these uh, through the summer. And they love it when we come. Sometimes Brett and a couple of our guys, we would just get together with the six of us and just go do something for the day. And we walk all over the battlefield with our rifles. And the, the park rangers knew us. And they knew they kept seeing us there. And they saw the things that we were doing. And, and they would pull up the ones that were given the tours, uh, the private tours with people in their cars and they would drive up. We, they drive up with their car and have the guys get out while we we're standing there resting and they have them come up and talk to us. Hey, go up and talk to them, ask questions about the soldiers. They knew who were and, good uh, ones and not good ones to talk to. Right. And they knew our group was that group, you know, the park rangers knew and they took them to us and said, Hey, uh, you know, they, Hey, talk to these guys. We saw them the other week. They're real good. That kind of thing. You know, and uh, and then people would ask us questions about you know life of the soldier that type of thing. So it was cool, but yeah, we did a lot of that kind of thing. That's what we were into. And uh, but what was the question? <laughs> the question was if we had a persona, but we had a lot of different personas. Right, we did everything. Um, the next one is from Dazzy. What was the point we knew we were not in the reenacting scene? I know it. Well, I knew mine. I know it. What was yours? Well, there were two. I had my second kid, and it just wasn't, oh. you know, it was time to move on yep. from that. You told and, me that. And the second one was, uh, it started getting go. a little, and this is, we won't get political with this, but it started getting a little, like, too close to home with politics, and these events were yeah. starting to have, some of the events were starting yep. to have, threats having to you know people are threatening the events so i was like all right i'm out yeah yeah and that's the way i felt about it too um there was too much going on in the political world of today and um there was a lot of controversy um and we did not want to be a part of it there's too many people that line up across from us with with rifles we don't know what they're. We don't know them personally. Uh, they could. We could be going. We if I go down to North Carolina and do an event, and there's a thousand people in front of me, I don't know what nut jobs on the other side that had a bad day, and he decides he wants to put something real in his rifle. I mean, these are real weapons that we're that we're using for these. There was nothing different between. Uh, I mean, no. it was a it was a real right. They're real rifles. So right, there's right. nothing different other than the honesty of someone across a field firing right. at you from the other side, hoping they didn't and, have a real round in it. Right, and like Brett said, when it started getting that way, um, but what what one of the reasons was too, um, we decided that, well, we decided. Brett's already told me that the, one of the last events we did was Perryville, and he said, you know, I got a baby, and you know, I just don't have the time for this right now, and you know, work's busy, and and uh, we also were doing, we were already started doing our model rating a little bit. And, um, and we were getting back into that and we were at Perryville, Kentucky doing the 150th Perryville. And Watching it was one the Texas another... Oklahoma game. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah. We're going to get to that. So we got there and we were, we, we got there. The Texas Oklahoma game was played that Saturday and there was a battle battle on Saturday and a battle on Sunday. This is a huge event as well. We went there and met a bunch of our hardcore buddies there. We had a big gaggle of guys, maybe 50 or 60 guys. And uh, we all knew each other. There were even guys from all over the country. After you do this for a while, you can start to meet people and you become friends with people from other parts of the country. And 
and we knew a bunch of these guys and plus the guys from our region and we all got together and we were camped in the woods there and um that that night i told them all i said i'm gonna go out and we'll do the drill in the morning with you guys for the drill but at for the battle on Saturday, we're going to do the Sunday battle, but the Saturday battle, Brett and I are going out to our car. We're going to sit and watch the Oklahoma game on the, on his, on the, on the phone, on his phone, on our dashboard. We're going to sit out there and we're watching the Oklahoma Sooner Texas game because we've never missed it. I, it's a tradition in our family. We're not, oh, oh my gosh, I can't believe you guys are doing that. Well, we understand. That's great. Bah, 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 bah. So, okay. So we went out, we did the drill in the morning with them and, and went out there and did the whole thing the re, you know, before the spectators come. They had thousands of guys out there doing a the drill and they're yelling at people for, you know, you need to go this way and that way, blah, 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 blah. We did all that. We came back to camp and it was about noon and it was time for that game. We went out to the car, took all our crap off, laid it next to the car, opened the car doors up, put, the, put Brett's phone on the dashboard of my car, brought the satellite, well, brought, I guess you tuned it into the game, whatever, yep. however you did it streamed it and we watched the game we had snacks out there and drinks and everything in the car that you wouldn't have back at camp because we ate you know we ate, you know hardcore food and um so we get back uh we watched the whole game while the game was going on the the uh, reenactments going on there's like tons of cars parked all over the place in these big open fields i mean thousands of cars from spectators and everything else and uh these kentucky state police guys came by and we told them, we said, we're not reenacting this event. We're just, our guys are mad at us, but we're going out here and we're doing uh we're watching this uh football game and they're like laughing and uh, we're sitting out there eating and drinking and, and they come by on their horses or state police and they're patrolling the parking lot. And they kept coming by going, what's the score? Hey, what's the score of the Kentucky game? What's the score of the Kentucky game? Remember that? Yeah. yeah was, and they, that was just funny. We tell, we, we kept track of the scores for the Kentucky game and let them know. And, uh, and then when we were done, we went back to camp and then nobody was talking to us the night before. They were like, well, we completely understand that's cool, man, whatever. You know, if that's what you guys want to do, I don't really understand it, but I respect that. Well, apparently they didn't respect it. And so for a little while that evening, not all evening, but for a little while that evening, nobody was talking to us when we got back. So we went, we said, okay, screw them. We went down to where the food trucks were and had some delicious, like, um, pulled pork barbecue sandwiches and stuff and we ate high on the hog like that and then went back to camp and that's where you and I pretty much had decided that this will be our last event mm-hmm. and uh, at, at that point because you know they were, they were all being really kind of petty and we went back to camp and had a good evening and um, and stuff and we're still friends with all those guys don't get me wrong it was just it was getting to the point where we weren't having the same kind of fun that they were having and uh, you know and when you told me you were getting out of it I don't want it. I didn't want to be in it anymore if my son wasn't in it and some, you know, and, you know, my, and, and so that's yeah. kind of, yeah, just cause like, you know what, I, 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 I did it because I like doing out and doing it with you. So, and I'm going to share the, and you and I already decided there too, we're going to get into our, our model railroading and doing maybe a podcast and some yeah. stuff like that. And, that was like the birth and, of this whole podcast. Yeah, right. Exactly. So that's that answers that question in long right. detail. Next one from Scott Horgan. Do you think you will ever get back into the reenactment scene? And do you have any advice for putting together a good one, a good one, a good CS kit that fits all battles? Um, uh, no, I'll never get back into reenacting. That's it. I'm done. I sold and all my stuff. Any advice for putting together a good one, a good CS uh, fit all battle kit? 
Uh, yeah, well, a good like brownish gray, a brownish colored, uh, like curse. What's that? Coat. Yeah, a good brownish colored coat with that like uh, the for the, a CS. Yeah. What? Gene wool. Gene wool coat. Yeah, a gene wool coat and not gray, but a good yeah. brown, a light brown colored gene wool coat and a, a different color gene wool pants. Don't be the guy with the same color pants and coat. Yeah. Um, and then just do a, just a tiny dude. Even thirty minutes of research on Google with the, your whatever unit you're getting into, you'll yeah. find the the appropriate. If you're doing a kit. CS kit, don't get blue pants and don't don't get, get the sky blue and pants. Don't, get don't the buy press, into that. Anybody don't tells get, you that. And don't get the pressed gray coat. Well, um, yeah. Spend anyway. the extra couple bucks and get a decent. It's not coat. that much more. No. Nah. So, no, it's not really. But, I mean, that's all I would do. I would spend 30 minutes, look up the actual material for that area and that region yeah. that that unit would have got their material from. All don't, – don't get us wrong. Like, we fell into the trap of like, oh, well, Confederate, they wore whatever they got. But if you actually look into it more, the Confederates yeah. were very well outfitted. Right. And, you know, you can – just with a with a few minutes of research, you can find the exact year and the exact time period in which most of the units were outfitted from different wool suppliers and different different ports yeah, where they were and different right. depots. And you can yep. find out exactly what they wore and actually look authentic. And not guess what? The guys that make that stuff for you don't charge much more than the El Cheapo brand that is going to yeah, charge you. Pay a little more, but you're also getting a handcrafted piece too. Yeah, well, and well, no, but it's that. really not that much more. So, no. all right. Matt Hankins. Yeah, a good pair of Brogans. Yeah, definitely a good pair of Brogans. Yeah, which are shoes, by the way. So, yeah. uh, with, my, no, with no support. My, no, no support. Mind Mount Models. You mentioned that Lisa was involved in the scene, too. With sewing the costumes and uniforms, was there any silly craziest, craziness that she had a part in, too? What do you mean, craziness? Well, she was in charge of sewing all of our damn uniforms. She yeah, she did. Us- she did all our uniforms. She made dresses. She Pants. made dresses for women. She actually sold uh, shirts and made shirts and sold them. Some of the stores in town in Gettysburg that sell Renatra gear uh, were selling her shirts for a little while, and uh, she was doing that. She also sold some dresses up there. Um, she made pants. She made period correct stuff when we got her to correct materials and things that we knew we needed to ma- have made. And we knew some of the guys that we uh, did reenacting with that knew the they knew the material culture. They called it material culture, and they knew that stuff. So they would because they were the people they were. They were interns at the park. They were researchers. They were you know some of these people made a living uh, mm-hmm. on history. And uh, so they would find these exact things or museum pieces and things like that, find what they were made of. And then we would go to places like Needle and Thread in Gettysburg. It had actual period correct uh, wools and things like that. We get the right types uh, to fit and make make the look. And, you know, she was good at that. That's what she did. She she sewed this stuff. A lot of the guys sewed. A lot of the guys did their own, made their own, and they were masters at it. You know, um, absolutely. The right buttons, all that type of thing. And she was very into it. And she had a lot, she had a, a lot of dresses, a closet full of it. It was crazy. She's got tons of material still left and buttons and everything else. But yeah, it's, it was crazy. Definitely. So, yeah. Matt Hankins, what was the most Farby thing you saw at a reenactment? <sighs> oh, boy. Well, 
when you walk by a camp and they have a plastic skull on a stick. Oh my god! <laughs> I forgot. I forgot that one. <laughs> That's the worst. That was pretty bad. Um, or when they have like bottles of Heinz ketchup sitting on their on their on their tables. No, dude, the skull um, cuts it. The skull was the worst. The skull was absolutely the worst. That was funny. Oh, I've seen them with lawn chairs. Um, I've seen actual lawn chairs out there. Uh, director chairs. Oh my gosh. The, 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 oh my gosh, I've seen so many director chairs, especially in the officers' camps uh, or or the cavalry camps. I would see director chairs. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, awful. Yes, that was some of the farbiest stuff ever. All right. Yeah. Uh, James Powell, did you guys ever have a crazy handlebar mustache or old timey boxing matches? No, we never had it. We never did any of that. I just, no, we never did that. Nothing we like did that. A tug of war. We did a tug of war, and we won every year. Yep. Union versus Confederates, and whatever, we went there, and our unit would take on one of the other groups, and nobody beat us. We won every year. We always won a big, giant cake. Baked, giant baked sheet cake they had was a prize, and we would take that back to camp. We won every year, and we won it in like 10 seconds. We'd pull a whole line of people across. Next one is from we James Next one from James Powell. Did you ever get... Boxing you, would have been fun. Boxing would have been fun. It would have been fun. Here's another one from James. Did you ever get to reenact at Manassas or Antietam? Uh, <laughs> he, and, he, and he says he enjoys visiting those battlefields. He's probably been to... And he's been the bull run about four or five times. We've done we all of them. Booth. Yes. We did the 150 Manassas. It was the hottest event. And the 150th anybody, Antietam. And if you talk to any reenactor from all over the country and ask them what the hottest event they ever did was... I don't care where in the country they were. That was one fifty manasses. Dude, I just remember. I just remember laying. I remember laying on the ground. Yeah. Cub, like I was laying on that blanket, and it was a lake of. I was laying in a pond of my own sweat. <laughs> that was the worst. And you know what's even worse about that? Most battles that you go to and did the events, like we did one fiftieth Gettysburg or one fiftieth Antietam or wherever. Um, they last, they, they generally last about an hour, the battle itself. Okay. Sometimes much less. Um, but mo- generally in that hour time frame, Manassas, 150 of Manassas was a three hour battle. Okay. So you, it started at like, they started that thing at like 10 o'clock in the morning and it went till one o'clock. And the only reason they started that early, it was supposed to be in the afternoon, but because it was during the heat wave, because it August, woke up at eight o'clock in the morning and it was already 95 degrees. Right. And they were right. Exactly. And, um, so because of that, they had to, they had to push everything ahead. Well, this was such a big event that they brought the U S and they did it for one fiftieth Gettysburg as well. They brought in the U S um, um, open, the U S open tennis, uh, bleachers they're giant sized bleachers and they set up and it looks like an arena when it sets up i mean it's monstrous you know you fit thousands and thousands of people in these things it's made for the u.s open and they brought that in and set that up for this and you went out there and the battle was for three hours it was probably the most intense battle i've ever done because usually the cavalry goes in first and does a cavalry battle oh oh no i'm sorry the cannons go off first. They do a cannonade. Okay. It does a cannonade between both sides and they shut the cannons down and then you do a cavalry battle 
and the cavalry goes in, they clash their swords and everything, and then they're off the field for safety purposes. And then they march in the the infantry, and the infantry goes, and they have their volleys. You push us, we push you. You push us, we push you. Then they end it, right. and they do a taps, and then everybody goes, and the battle's over. At Manassas 150, they had all of it happening at one time it felt real for three straight it was hours. the most real i've ever felt three hours and you would march in and you would fight here in a little skirmish and then you would back off and you would rest under a group of trees over here it was a big area and there's meanwhile there's like spectators watching everywhere from way up in these monster stands thousands it was jam-packed and you know this was washington dc area close by you know i mean so yeah. they have all those people anyways and so the the um as you're marching, you would have to halt your unit as a hundred horses would go by. There were sixteen thousand reenactors with all, all combined. There must have been two hundred artillery pieces. Oh yeah, it, easily. And and um, but the you would have to hold up while because the ground would shake because a hundred horses would go running by, and 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 then you continue your march. We were infantry, and then. You know, and then you that would they would go diagonally in front of you, and you'd march a little bit, and another unit of fifty horses would come this direction from the other angle, and you had to hold up for them, and then you'd do a volley, and then over to your left, maybe not, not not fifty yards away, you got a a bank of twenty cannons going off at one shot, you know, boom, 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 boom. It was it was insane, and it was so hot. I mean, we had there were people passing out, and when you took your hit. If you were going to take a hit, that means you're, you're, you're fake dying. And when you went down from your hit, they, somebody would come running out of the wood line with a bottle of water. It was, they were medics. They had, I don't know how many ambulance crews from all over the Washington, D.C. They dressed the medics like reenactors. Yeah. And they'd come running out and they would check on you to make sure you didn't go down from heat exhaustion. And then they would hand you a, a, uh, a bottle of water and, and, t- and they'd stick well, they'd stick it in your in your haversack that you had on your hip, and then they tell you when the when your unit keeps moving forward, you need to get into the tree line and get in the shade. They wanted you off the battlefield. They didn't want you just laying around. Dude, that out was there. an intense weekend. Yeah, yeah, that was that was insane. That was a lot of fun. That's the only insane. time I spent two hours in a ten foot wide muddy hole in my underwear with twenty men. <laughs> <laughs> tell that story. That's funny. So, I mean, I'll keep this one quick because it's getting late. But um, uh-huh. we were so hot on that second day. I mean, dude, that I'm not kidding. Like, the, without the heat index, I think it was like 106 or 108 that day. Without yeah, the heat index, really and um, me and the same crew of the guys we've already talked about, uh, yeah. we we walked down over this hill from our camp and we found this uh, little little tiny stream, right? And there was a hole, like a you know, rock form a rock formation in the stream had piled up and created a deeper spot in the creek. Right. Not a creek, a stream. It might have only been twelve feet wide. Right. But it was like deep enough where if you sat down it came up to your shoulders. Right. So me and like three or four dudes, we went down and we just we got down in our underwear and we just sat in it because you're so hot, like there's no other there's no other option. It was the only <laughs> thing we could to keep cool. And we're trying to stay quiet because we didn't want anyone else to know we were down there. Because we didn't want, right. like, all these dudes crashing into our clean, nice, clean water. <laughs> well, before we knew it, other people followed us down, and 
in about a half an hour's time, there must have been 25 guys sitting in this 10 by 12 foot <laughs> hole of water. And now it's no longer clear water. It's like mud. It just looks like porta potty water without the blue in it. And uh, it looked like something you'd see in a septic tank, man. And it was just, and no one cared. No one said a word about how disgusting it was. It was like, dude, the water was gross and no one even moved. We're all just like, whatever, just get in the water. Who cares? And so, it was like that all day. People kept going back there and people kept going back there. I never went back. I, no. I went in when it was clean and I left when it started getting dirty. And I'm like, I'm not going back in that hole. Nope. Uh, yeah, that was a crazy event. And there were there was a horse that died at that event. Oh, yeah, um, it was bad. It overheated in the battle and they had it laying on the side. Eventually, I found out later that afternoon, they had bags of ice laying on its back and everything else. Um, it, it, was, it was so hot that the... Um, Prince William County in that area, uh, they dropped off um, skids, uh, skids of bottled water. I mean, all, on all over the place. It yeah. was like, they were out in the middle of the battlefield because they wanted to make bad. sure that everybody could get it. Spectators could get it. it was everything. Really bad. And it was bad. They had uh, first. They had actual tents, emergency tents for emergency personnel with ambulances. I don't know how many different ambulance companies they yeah. had there. Um, they kept taking people out. Most of the people that went down, though, were spectators, ones drinking sugary drinks in the stands. Yeah, we and, were uh, super hydrated. Your metal bleachers. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't yeah. even drink that weekend. We didn't have, There was like no one in our camp drank alcohol that weekend because we were all no. afraid to. Yeah, you couldn't do that. So, all right, no. next question. Yep. J- uh, Joe Collins, and we'll, we'll hit this one quick because we already kind of hit that one earlier. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sure you camped overnight. What was the weirdest, craziest thing you ever encountered? animals or otherwise it was definitely the coyotes definitely the coyotes coyotes was the craziest scariest thing yeah uh, without a doubt william knight any amusing stories about the middle of the night bodily function trips that ended up in century changes uh we never really like we were pretty much passed out by that time at night man like, <laughs> if it was that late we were done so, yeah, and as far as centuries out there, we very rarely post. Went to events where we posted a century. We except only for did them when we did the breakthrough down in uh, at the um, down at, at, at Petersburg. We did the breakthrough. We did that. Yeah, at, Dude, we were the up all night books. for that. And we we did uh, century posts out there all evening, we and then we up went down so yeah. late for that. That was crazy. Yeah, and our audience was a uh, nearby. Um, Fort, it was a Fort AP Hill or whatever. They were in, uh, they were um, cadets. cadets stuff. Yeah. And they, they brought in hundreds, hundreds of men as uh, spectators. Do you remember? Remember like how five intense in the morning that, to do that battle. Remember how intense that was? We woke up at five in the morning after pulling sentry duty all night. Uh-huh. No sleep. None of us got any sleep. And that and march then, was and crazy then we had, fast. Dude, we had to charge across that field in Petersburg at five yeah. in the morning with no sleep. Man, that felt yep. like my, it felt like a blur. Yeah, and and it was and the march from the camps, which were actual entrenchments, and we got to sleep in the entrenchments. Original, at that yeah, the original entrenchments for the breakthrough. At that Petersburg. was intense. And and um, we were we were federals for that one, right? Yep. yep. Yeah. Yep. And for that one, and that was that was cool. And um, it started the rain uh, on us in the middle of that charge too. Oh yeah, and we went down. Well, before we even got there, we had our 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 captain walked us down at a march at, at the double quick and for like a mile or, or for like a mile at <laughs> the double quick and it, and and there were like roots on the trail and everything like people were tripping over it and everything. it was it was dangerous but, but he also didn't let us talk because we wanted to surprise yeah. him yeah so we yeah. weren't it was cool we were on the double quick at like a super silent 
We were fast yeah. but quiet. Remember, we had to, yeah. like none of our metal could clank. We had to make sure nothing was clanking. Like yep. we had to go in quiet. It was cool. And they, the other side knew what we were doing. This was all part of the plan. It oh, wasn't yeah, like we. Yeah, it no. wasn't a tactical. We did. It wasn't like it was definitely scripted. But then we it, did it but, to the minute though. But it was right. And that's because the people, the, all the people that were involved on both sides, uh, at this one were 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 military. Well, they were campaigner. It oh, was a campaigner. campaigner. Yeah. No, but I meant the yeah. military was spectating us, so we wanted to be yes. like, yeah, yeah. We, we, we did it for the exactly cadets, good. so, yep. yep, and their commanders. Yep. All right, next one. Uh, was there hazing or practical jokes played on new guys? Uh, not necessarily on new guys, but between our own group of friends, Jake, uh, we played a lot of pranks on each other. Yeah, um, I mean, we didn't really haze other people. We're we adults ha- here. We just I mean, hazed our adults. friends. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If, if you were in our tight knit crew, you got made fun of all the time. Oh yeah, yeah. We played jokes like that <laughs> on people. Yeah, but uh, that, that we we did it to each other and we took it and and everything. But you know, by and large, I mean, you only got made fun of if you were part of our group. Yeah, yeah. We like, didn't make fun of new people. If you were part of like our tight knit crew, then you got made fun of nonstop. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you had to have a backbone. If you had, if you didn't have thick skin and a backbone, you weren't going to be able. You weren't going to last long. Not in our tight knit crew. No, no, not in our tight knit group. All and right. everybody knew it. This is the next everybody one. This is the next one from Jake. Uh, tell us how your reenacting interest transferred to model railroading hobby. I think just well, a just a, a a passion to make things. Um, we we were very detailed with what we did with reenacting, and I think that kind of. Goes in, it was important to us. To it make goes it into what we do with this too. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I still love my history. I still go to battlefields. I just go in 21st century clothes and wear and eat in restaurants now and go toward a battlefield on my own with a clipboard and a field book and those types of things. Yeah. And I research and I still do that kind of thing. So yeah. Yeah. But we, think, we don't. We didn't give up on civil war in civil war history. I think we it just, just gave up on. I think it just. It, 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 it transferred in the model railroading because it kind of brought us also into enjoying the history of – like I love looking up old history of these towns and learning about right. you know industries and stuff like that. And a lot of that transferred over just with researching um, what we're doing to put into our layout. So yeah. – all right. Next one is from Chris Galvin. Uh, as someone who has not been to a reenactment before is – is this something that the average spectator in shorts and t-shirts can attend? Or do you have to don a uniform to get into these events? How many hours and days do they last? Is there Facebook pages or websites for these events? Chris, if your area has reenactments and you just do some quick uh, searching on Facebook or on uh, Google, you'll find that most of them are spectator friendly and you can probably just show up um, if they're some not. Some will have a ticket. Oh, some will require a ticket. ticket. Some, some are free. Some of them, yeah. some yeah, a lot of them, a lot of historical societies do them. Uh, yep. In their yep. in your areas too, depending on what area you're looking to go to one too. Right, but right. the East Coast is flooded with them. Well, they used to be. Flooded well, they with were. Them. They were flooded with them. Now, because of the political climate, they've not been having it. We're not getting into that, but we're just saying yeah. they, they they they've not they've been canceling a lot of them. Yeah. Well, yeah. And political and just with the whole 2020 year being right. what it is. Right. Um. Dave's model railway stuff. When you were steering, staying near those battlefields at night, did you ever think you felt spirits of those soldiers who uh, never returned from battle? 
Um, <laughs> so I have a mixed opinion on this. I don't. I don't necessarily believe in all of. I don't believe in that. Yeah. Uh, I think ninety nine point nine nine. We slept all over that. Nine 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 percent of it is is something that is a mind trick almost. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've been out on battlefields at all times of night, uh, hundreds of hours on yeah. on original battlefields, and yep. and we've stayed in we've stayed in old structures that were old. You know, we stayed at the courthouse in. Um, yep. What was that in Winchester. Winchester? That was a prison. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of men died there. I mean, we've stayed at some of the most haunted places by ourselves. Yeah, we've stayed at some of they the most haunted. They gave us the key to the courthouse, and we slept in there. We've stayed, we've stayed or slept in or on or around some of the most "quote unquote" haunted places you could in Civil War battlefield or Civil War history. And I have a creepy. Event I think now. creepy things have happened, but I think yeah. you can. I think I think most of Perryville, it is your mind. Kentucky. When Perryville, Kentucky, I was sleeping. Oh, that was just weird. <laughs> that was weird. Well, with our group, that was one where we had like 60 people. Yeah. And I was sleeping on my blanket, and uh, you guys were over by the fire. We were on that was, hillside. We weren't on a hill. We were on the hillside, but where I was sleeping was flat. It was like benches. We were, we were sleeping were flat, huh? It were like benches on the hill. We each had a different bench on the hill to stay on the flat part. I wasn't on a bench. I no, 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 no. I'm saying the hillside had benches. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like hill benches. Hillside right. benches, not real benches. Okay, it was flat area. So I'm I'm laying in my flat area, and I was up there at the one end of the. Tr- I had a tree at my head, and then a tree about it was about maybe a uh, I don't know thirteen or fourteen foot gap between trees. Okay, so I laid it with my head up at the one tree. Okay, and if anything, my head was what would be considered on the downhill side of the of of where we were camped okay but i fell asleep and woke up in the morning and my entire body and the and the ground cloth and everything i was sleeping on the the feet uh, my, my feet were at the other tree uh, at the far end of the other tree and i'm a 6 foot tall man and a six foot one tall man, and so my body moved at least eight, what eight foot, maybe eight foot, yeah, down to that tree, to that other tree, and I was in the same position, yep. in the, on the same blanket with the, on the same on the same ground cloth, and uh, and uh, I don't know how that happened. I moved in the middle of the night, and I was nothing was wrinkled up or anything else. It was I didn't get up in the middle of the night, move, and it was that was creepy. And then I found out that somebody else in the camp up the up the street from us, a little further up, they had um, they had somebody that woke up in a different spot as well. So yeah, I don't that know. that was weird. I don't know what I don't know what it was. I mean, it could have just been some kind of scientific thing. Um, I don't know, you know. But that was creepy, for sure. Yeah, not and that sure. was on actual ground. I've never but experienced Brett was there, like so that. he saw that. I mean, I saw it. Yeah. And I saw. I heard you freaking out in the morning, but I never had. I never had personally had anything happen. <laughs> I didn't freak out. It was just. I wasn't one freak. No, you went. Yeah, but you went around camp. Like, you like, went around. Oh camp, my god! How? You walked around camp like, hey, did you, why did you guys move up? Me in the middle of the night. We're like, were you guys playing a prank? <laughs> I thought you guys maybe picked me up, but I'm 
I, I was like, man, like, if they'd have put me up, I I'd have woke up, man. It was, I would definitely woke up. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know. Yeah. Right. My, uh, as far as as far as the stuff you hear about on battlefields, we've been all over every all over every inch of that Gettysburg battlefield. Um, I, there may be a couple weird things that happen electronically with people's cameras and things like that. I'm aware of. Um, I could tell you a couple stories like that, but I believe that I don't know those things had a scientific purpose uh, or a reason why they, those things happen. Um, I I would be naive enough for those of you that believe in it to to have what you know 15,000 people died on that battlefield 25,000 people I'm sorry 52,000 people actually died uh, some yeah, some others yeah. died from from the but not that many died during the battle on the battlefield many of them died in hospitals afterwards but you know, for all the carnage that took place there and the amount of people that died I'd be naive to think that maybe nothing absolutely nothing could happen that way i don't know i don't know and i don't buy into it so you know it's up to that person i would never call anybody that has a story from there a liar because i can't yeah. prove that uh, i just I, said, I you know I, i'll just say i, I wacky horrible things happened on that ground so. i just yeah. personally can't say yes or no because i've never experienced that there so i can't right. i can't comment right so yep. all right Okay. Next one is from James Powell. Did you ever run into any artifacts when you were in gullies, washes, rivers, and beds, etc. when you were out there? I have not. Well, I I haven't, but I was with Captain um what's his name? And we were down into the into the creek plum run right in front of uh Devil's Den between Devil's Den and Little Round Top, and we were walking down around in there and he was down there with us, and your mom was there. We were just there for the day. We weren't in period clothes or anything. We were just there. And uh, in that particular case, he was down there along the water, and he pulled out a, a piece of, of shell. Yeah. It was a round cannonball shell. Um, so he did pull one of them out of the, uh, the plum run, and I, which was very hard to believe because, honestly – that's been picked over and walked over and through and everything for hundreds, 150 some years. And, you know, all the spectators and things through all the years that have been down through those sections, there's not a lot left on a lot of these battlefields in that way, unless you go off battlefield to some of the lands that weren't able to be purchased by national park services mm-hmm. or other park services in other States at their battlefields. If you go to the, there's sections of battlefield that were hotly contested that are not owned by National Park Service because they're privately owned and they haven't been purchased yet. Eventually, they'd like to have that, but that's not the case. And in those cases, some of those properties have not been thoroughly searched yet for artifacts. And I know somebody who actually got permission to go on some of those properties, and they have a whole collection, like a museum in their house yeah. of stuff that they've collected. I've gotten to see their stuff. It's, it's pretty cool. He's a school teacher. Um, and I was invited to come see his collection, and a lot of it came from places like that. But, yeah, I personally not ha- have not, you know. But anyhow. Yeah. Uh, last one is pretty picked from- over. 150 years since you get picked over. Right. Last uh, – well, actually, two more. Did you ever feel that you were keeping it secret from guys playing the South, already knowing that the North won? Nah, we never really played that game. Uh uh-uh. uh Like we, we did both. We we portrayed all sides. We were just in the history of it. Uh, yeah. And then the last one on on Facebook is from Greg Cassidy. Have you ever chewed or eat hardtack? Uh, we've eaten nah. hardtack. 
I've tried hardtack. I, I I soaked it in coffee and tried to get it to to uh, to soften up. And I I tried frying it in in uh, in a pan and baking grease and stuff to try and soften it up. And it will, but I I don't like it. It sucked. I yeah. just avoided it. And also, you'll end up breaking your teeth. You eat that shit. It's not good. You know? Yeah, it's not good for your no. mouth. They call they call it teeth gnashers, teeth <laughs> gnasher crackers. Okay, so there's a reason why it was called a teeth gnasher cracker. Okay, because <laughs> it, your teeth ground away to nothing when you ate them. You know, a lot of guys when the war was finished after three years, if they were lucky enough to make it through the three, uh, you know, three or four years of war of battle. Yeah. Um, four years. If they were lucky enough to make it through, um. A lot of those guys, uh, when they were done, the, the infantry soldiers, your privates and corporals and sergeants, a lot of those guys, um, their teeth were worn away to to nothing from eating that that crap. You know, they they, they had not they had none. Right. <laughs> you know, right. you're 18 years old. You go into battle at 17, 18 years old. You have a nice, healthy set of teeth at that age. But when you're by the time you're you know, by the time you're that war was over and you're 22. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. Time for last, dental plan. Last two are from George Nagel. Um, did you run into any annoying fanatical fellow reenactors or were you the annoyingly <laughs> fanatical reenactors? I think we kind of talked about that uh, with a few of the guys we had mentioned uh, yeah. who were renamed. I'll just say one thing and I won't go any further than that, but we'll just call this guy Apple Pie and that's all oh my God. I'm going to go with that one. Yes. We'll call him Apple Pie, but he gets called something else. <laughs> we'll call him Apple Pie. Well, we'll call him Apple. We'll call him Apple Scramble. Let's put it that way because his brain or, was scrambled. Or fritters. That's what. Yeah, or fritters. Yeah. <laughs> Apple fritters. Okay. That, yeah, this guy and everybody knows him, so we guess we're just gonna shut up about him. And uh, but yeah, yeah, there were fanatics. There were fanatics, and we won't go any further. But now, I don't think we, we were don't, the fanatic. We he asked yeah. if, or if we were the fanatics. I don't think we were. So. But yeah. we we did we did some hardcore stuff, you know, and we did some stuff with some hardcore dudes, but we didn't really have anybody fanatical. These guys, when it was over, they understood it was over. Yeah, yeah. for the most part. But yeah, so that's that's all the questions. Oh, I said yeah. Well, I think that's a wrap, man. All right, man. That's a two hour and thirty five minute episode. So. A big episode. Sorry, guys, that it was a little wow. bit different this week. Um, you know, but we could have went on. I have a whole list of crap that we didn't even touched. Uh, but you know, we're just giving you a taste of it, and we had some fun. For us, it was a nice break. What do you think? I think so. I mean, yeah. I think once a year, if we take a break and we talk about something else, that's perfect. So I think that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. So, well, well I'm glad we got to share that with you. I had fun, Brett. Yeah, that was a good time. Yeah. Um, one last thing, we weren't going to do much on on um, on uh, model railroading. We're going to take a break from it tonight, but I will say we have the contest that's coming up at the end of this month. On uh, ends on October thirtieth at eight p.m. Eastern time. Uh, get your photos up online of your Halloween diorama or Halloween um, structure or whatever you're going to build. Put it up there, Halloween theme. And we have uh, some prizes to give away, which are some uh, of the Brick Monster Roller sets in N scale, HO scale, and O scale. Now, the N scale ones aren't out yet, but I talked to James, uh, and James is going to uh, make sure 
that he's going to try and put some N scale ones together for us, and uh, we're, we'll go from there. And uh, that, that'll be great. So we have uh, first and second place for N scale, HO scale, and O scale. And we're going to have a lot of fun with that for our special Halloween episode. So get your stuff built, give it a Halloween theme, take some photos, and put it up on, uh, on our Wiley's um, scale modeling webs- uh, Facebook page. Please send it to us that way. If you don't have Facebook, shoot us an email at uh, info at hoscalecustoms.com. Yep. Right? Yep. Okay. All right, guys. Uh, We are going to wrap up this week's episode, so thanks again. And um, like I said, it was a little bit different of an episode, but it was fun. And, you know, we'll get back to the modeling content next week. So. So, Sounds good. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Had fun with that one. Yep. Later.